Do you pray to the gods? The old and the new. There is only one god. And his name is death. And there is only one thing we say to death. Not today. Uh, we can say today. Hey fam, welcome to another episode of Stay Watching. As always, I'm your host, Larry McAllister II. This week, as you might have guessed from uh, the world of pop culture, we're talking about Game of Thrones and kind of this show and what it has meant to myself and my friend Zach Manning, who joins me for a conversation of the show. Uh, we will run through our thoughts on the entire series, uh, including, you know, the books, the show and, you know, what many people are looking at as the kind of controversial end of the series. So uh, I think you'll actually be kind of surprised about the position that we take on the episode um, and where we kind of uh, speak to it from. Uh, especially given the amount of conversation that is around it currently. Uh, it is a bit of a longer episode, and I'm going to be frank. Uh, there are spoilers all throughout the episode. So if you have not uh, caught all the way up on Game of Thrones, or honestly, if you don't care about Game of Thrones, or if you haven't started watching yet and you're thinking about getting into Game of Thrones, you may want to save this episode for later. Um, once again, I, I spoilers. I mean, there honestly, like it is one of those properties, and the ending is such that it is almost impossible to not talk about spoilers with this show. So. We're going to get into it. I uh, hope you are ready for a very long episode. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm here with my friend, Zach. And we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. Zach, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Larry. Uh, like, hey, audience. <laughs> I'm going to restart that right now. That's all right. That's fine. Hey, everybody. I'm Zach. I'm a graphic designer. Worked with Larry in the past. Good friend of his. And, yeah, I'm a Game of Thrones expert or self, self-claimed self expert. I mean, I'll call you an expert. I mean, there's a big reason before this season. Uh, did the season start yet when I asked you to be on this podcast? Were we like one episode in? I don't remember. I think about that time. Okay. But from the time that this podcast started, I kind of knew that I wanted to have you on to talk about Game of Thrones because I remember our, our in-office conversations about the show. One, you were the only person who could hold your own talking about the show. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> partially because you also had read the books, um, which was really helpful because like no one I knew had read any of the books or knew anything that was going on. And I'll be honest, like I have forgotten a lot of it at this point, just because like I've been away from it for so long. Like I was, I was having, um, I was texting with my mom the other day and, and she referred to someone as, as the, uh, the mud girl. And I was like, what the 
heck are you talking about? <laughs> like, it took me a minute to be like, Mun Men, oh, House Reed, okay, Mira, she's talking about Mira, and I was like, like, I, I just, it's been so out there, it's just been gone, but before we, like, dive into Game of Thrones proper, um, what I really wanted to get a sense from you uh, about was, like, kind of what was your introduction to fantasy, you know, uh, in terms of whether it's books or, or, or other media that, that kind of relate to that genre? I think the first book that I can really remember reading was probably The Hobbit, and mm-hmm. I've loved Tolkien's Little Rings. Uh, I read The Hobbit, I think, even, like, twice in middle school. I just really just... Like it just like consumed me, and it was right around the time the movies were coming out as well. Um, the original Lord of the Rings, not The Hobbit. Uh, yeah, not wasn't a fan of uh, that adaptation. I'm gonna call it <laughs> or that, that choice of storytelling. Um, I could rant. I now I'm very tempted to rant about how much I hated the the Hobbit movies, oh, but man. that's for another. That's for another that's podcast. For another podcast, especially uh, with the new Lord of the Rings show. Wait, there's a wait. There's a show. Amazon is working on a new Lord of the Rings show. When did this happen? This is it. it supposedly, it starts filming in the fall. What? I have so many questions, but like we'll get into that. I'm gonna hold on to. I'm gonna hold on to it for now. Um, but yeah, as far as I guess other fantasy, I really loved um, like Norse, Egyptian, Greek mythology uh, as a kid. It really interested me, and it does. It is the roots of fiction, uh, especially when it comes to like Game of Thrones. Like a lot of this, you know, is heavy influence with gods and things, and definitely we see it come into play with a lot of fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much my origin. That's where it started. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because like I I would definitely say that I'm coming at it from a very similar place. I mean, I grew up. I was in love with um, you know, kind of. Um, the Excalibur myth and and King Arthur and all of that and and so like I had grown up like rewatching that Excalibur movie from the I guess it was from the eighties like over and over again. Um, it's a really weird one. I actually watched the animated version of The Hobbit before reading the book. Like I was really into like you know cartoons and everything like that and i think cartoon network just had this old rankin and bass <laughs> you know version of the hobbit so it's like the same people who were making rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and thundercats had made a version of the hobbit and like i really loved it so i was like oh like, let me read the book and i think at the time my cousin he was also really into the hobbit and lord of the rings so you know it was kind of one of those things that we could share and you know, I just remembered getting really, really into it. And, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, clearly we weren't the only ones because, you know, you look at someone like George R.R. R. Martin and it's clear that, like, Tolkien is, like, one of his biggest influences. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been, I, I was telling you before we started recording, I've just been watching a bunch of interviews with him and it's like, almost every single one he comes back to talk about Tolkien and, like, you know, some random influence from The Lord of the Rings specifically. You know, a little bit from The Hobbit, but, like, specifically a lot of stuff from, you know, The Lord of the Rings that just kind of slots perfectly into Game of Thrones. So, I guess, uh, kind of getting there, getting from our start with Tolkien and and that kind of stuff and moving into Game of Thrones, how did you find out about Game of Thrones? I found out when I was supposed to be studying for my art history exam my sophomore year of college, uh, I had a week uh, to study, and that is far too long to study for an art history exam. 
So my friend introduced me to the TV show at that point. It was uh, midway through the second season. I think I finished it in two or three days with my roommate. We got up to eat, and that was it. And <laughs> we caught up to the show, yeah, in three days, and that was that was it, and I was hooked. I mean, that was kind of like the, the, the magic of it. I had started watching it right at the second season as well because um, yeah, my parents had actually called me up, and they were like, hey, are, like, are you watching this show? Like, do you have HBO? Are you watching this, like, random fantasy show? And I'm like, I never even heard of this thing. It was a full season in, and I'm just like, what is this? watch the first episode and that like first scene where the the members of the night's watch go into the you know i guess the haunted woods or whatever they're called or haunted forest whatever and i was just like what is this like i need to know more about it like i need to watch this whole thing and like i think i watched the first season in like a day or two just because like i was that hooked on it i was like this is so interesting and it just like it really caught me off guard and then um, my, my godfather, my dad's best friend had, you know, he had just sent this random package to our house one day and we were like, what is this thing? Open it up. And it was all of the books. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you know, basically we all just took turns like reading through, <laughs> through game of Thrones as a family. So that was, that was kind of like our, our big, like kind of just push into it. Uh, I wish I, my, my family was not, oh I shouldn't say my like they weren't into it. They weren't into it at first. My parents still haven't watched it. My brother, uh, I, ex- <laughs> I read the whole books. So I copped the whole season, and he just straight up asked me what happened. And over the course of two hours, I explained the entire <laughs> Game of Thrones, <laughs> everything. Two hours explained it, and just like had a really in depth conversation. He was really into it after that, and now we all like the, the my two brothers. We we've watched. Uh, like almost every single episode together henceforth from that point. That's awesome. That's it's it's I think that's one of the things in going off script a little bit here or off plan. Like I think one of the things that's really interesting about this show and I'll be talking about this a little bit more next week in, in you know kind of my peak TV episode like just the fact that like it's such a show that like you build kind of ritual around in terms of who you're watching it with, where you're watching it, like, are you watching it live? Do you have to disable all of your social media because you're on vacation and you won't be able to watch it? Like, you know, just all the hoops that you kind of have to jump through to kind of make yourself, you know, available to watch it and and kind of all that goes in there. Like, so besides just watching it with your with your brothers, did you have any other sorts of like kind of like rituals associated with watching it? Mm, I mean, it was always... Prior to this year, I never had HBO, hmm. so it was always a matter of whose house do I <laughs> invite myself to to watch Game of Thrones? Uh, la- I think the last season, I was uh, we were going over to my cousins and his girlfriends, and we were having like a lot of fun. It was great. Like it was a whole bunch of us watching, and then they broke up mid-season, <laughs> and he moved out, and I had no. I, like all of a sudden, I was like, wait. Wait, where, I'm really sorry about you and your girlfriend, but where where are we going to watch Game of Thrones now? <laughs> like, get back to the important things. I don't even remember what I did instead. I think I invited myself to another friend's house. I think I drove like the 40 minutes to his. And you got to do what you got to do for some HBO. No one wanted to share the password with me. So, I mean, oh, I, I, I get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah, we, I was before before the season started, I had shared the story with you about uh, my mom canceling her HBO subscription because, like, I've compl- like I'm a cable cutter. I do not have cable, and I hadn't been paying for HBO now, so I had just been, 
essentially leeching off of, you know, my mom's, you know, cable account to log into HBO Go and everything like that. And she just, she just, you know, texts me one day and it's like, oh, I've canceled HBO. I've been paying too much for cable and all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, you know, the show comes back in like a week. And it was just like this mad dash to try to get it re-enabled on the account. But, you know, so obviously we have a lot of love for Game of Thrones, um, you know, and, and we were both kind of hooked from the start. So thinking about that, you know, what were some of those kind of initial aspects to Game of Thrones that, that kind of really got you into it? I think for the show, I mean, it it felt like something that, like, kind of like following Lord of the Rings, like, it was different enough where it was interesting, but it felt like something that was still in like the same genre that I hadn't seen in a while. Like there really wasn't another show like it at the time, and or even like I see movie for that matter. And I'm trying to think of the other things I had been watching up to that point, but it just seemed to like like even at that point stand out among the rest. And even from the beginning, you like I'm sure everyone who starts watching this always goes to a friend and like who's related to who. Like, what's their relationship? And you have, and that's one of the things I loved about Game of Thrones is it's caused you to interact with your friends. It's always been something that you had like conversations with, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, theories. I like, I got my girlfriend to finally watch the show this year. Oh, wow! And so, like, sat with her, watched the whole thing over again, and helped. And I, I was that voice. I was able to help her mm-hmm. explain, like. Who is this person? Why do they matter? What What are they doing now? Without giving away anything yeah. too much. But I did have to kind of spoil, like not spoil the Red Wedding, but she was about to get up because I think she just thought it was like a lull in the show. Oh, and I was like, like, no, no, I was no, like, no, no. no, you should you should sit back down. <laughs> What's about to happen? Just just watch. Just just enjoy. Well, I can't really enjoy, but I mean, you can. I I so when I did my rewatch of the show, I found that scene incredibly enjoyable. Even though, like, because the thing <laughs> is, it's like when you first watch it, because like the biggest thing with the show, and I think I didn't realize it in that first watching that I had with it, it was just like the incredible amount of plotting and foreshadowing and everything like that. And, you know, I guess I'm going to say this now. I've probably already said it in the actual, you know, podcast lead up. But like we're spoilers are allowed. We're going (laughs) to we're going to have to talk about some of these things, because, I mean, like the thing is, like, one, if you don't care about Game of Thrones, you're not going to listen to this episode. If you do care about Game of Thrones, you probably aren't paying attention to any media if you haven't caught all the way up or watched the whole thing. And I'm imagining that most people that are finding this have probably watched the whole thing and just need more voices talking about it. So, you know, that that whole season one thing, like, everybody talks about it, like, killing Ned, who, you know, patriarch of the family, he is set up as, like, your you know, main character, which is, I'm doing air quotes because like, I think it's, I think it's, it's really important to remember that like, he's not actually the main character. And, and there wasn't some, that was something that I didn't really realize until a few seasons later, but like, it was one of those things where it was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm telling myself I'm falling in love with this because it is subverting, you know, these normal kind of traditional tropes of, 
we're going to follow the hero all through this journey and they're going to defeat evil and it's going to be great because that's generally what we've gotten from fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think Lord of the Rings is while it has aspects of that, it does also subvert that in some some kind of crucial ways, like especially and we will definitely talk about this later when, you know, Frodo makes the decision that, like, hey, I'm going to keep the ring, yeah. you know, and it's like that decision, like, you know, I, I think people often for, forget that about Lord of the Rings and, and they kind of say, like, oh, no, it was just like a straightforward, you know, hero starts here, ends here, you know, and the only trouble is the actual journey. And it's like, no, no, no. like go back read it watch it whatever you need to do like frodo had a turn yeah a very specific turn and he almost ruined it he He almost got all the way there and almost ruined it yeah but you know that was the thing that i that i really loved kind of going in where it was just like you know just it was the idea that no one was safe uh and and it was something that i hadn't really experienced in a show before um, you know, and granted, like when I started watching, I was a couple of years out of college and, you know, realistically, like the only other show that kind of had that same idea that I had watched before was kind of The Sopranos. And for a while, a lot of people were safe in The Sopranos. It wasn't until, you know, a little bit later on that certain characters, you were like, oh, maybe they're maybe they're gonna go like maybe they're not long for this show i've yet to see the sopranos actually believe it or not i do know how it ends i do know how it ends that was for some reason spoils for me years ago probably around the time like when sopranos finished yeah i just happened to see like oh fades to black and then it kind of comes back to also like storytelling where people are not happy with the endings yeah yeah but yeah well <laughs> get around to that. <laughs> getting um, ahead of ourselves. <laughs> getting getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So, you know, I think um, going from there, so like obviously, you know, we're talking about how Ned isn't really the main character, but, you know, who are some of the characters and, and maybe what are some of the storylines that you really kind of enjoyed following throughout your journey with Game of Thrones? First off, so Jamie, I'm just going to say Jamie has the best storyline books show he does he has a, a a character his character is probably what makes like the bulk of game of thrones so interesting where mm-hmm. you have a character who you immediately hate episode one you're like all right you think this is the bad guy this is who i root against like pretty blonde guy like the jock from high school and then over the course of seasons you start to feel bad for him. You see him humanize, and you see that he's also kind of been betrayed in like probably the wrong light at times. Mm-hmm. And then he does things like he rapes Cersei on top of their dead child's body. And then you're like, oh, that's right, he is a bad guy. And then mm-hmm. he like saves Brienne, and like he does other things where like you're oh you're like oh he's a good character, he's a good guy. And Game of Thrones does that with other characters. But his is the, his character arc is the most up and down, and it's the most, it's by far the most interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, it's it's funny that you use the the word good uh, because I think that's something that like is very apparent throughout the series, and it's like while we might have this kind of idea of you know binary good evil going into fantasy, especially like 
every single character in Game of Thrones is morally gray. They just may kind of act in a way that kind of pushes them to us thinking they're good mm-hmm. or thinking they're bad. Um, you know, but but to your point, like I think Jamie is one of those really interesting characters and we will talk about the controversy of this this last season. My actual issue, um, you know, comes with some of the things that are forgotten about his character and the things that he says. Uh, specifically, there's this great scene between Jamie and Brienne in the baths that I feel like if the showrunners had watched before kind of like one of his penultimate scenes, mm. they would have kind of rethought, well, how do we how do we write what he's saying in this scene? Because we had him say this. Like, I mean, you know, Guy has been labeled as the Kingslayer and ostracized because he was the only one willing to take the hit and kill a guy who was literally going to destroy the city you know like that's a hero and so when we see him do all of these other awful things i just like like you said i think there's something really interesting about that kind of duality of you know this character has like these really you know noble aspects that are that are really interesting to watch but at the same time he's he's deplorable you know (laughs) He really is. Like he makes your skin crawl at the same time that you want to cheer for him. And it's like, I think that's for me, that's something that's always been great about this show where it's just like, there's so many aspects where I'm like grossed out by what they do, you know, but at the same time, like I can't stop myself from watching because it's so riveting. It's so interesting. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm definitely there with you with kind of the Jamie arc. Another character uh, who has like a, a, a similar but different arc that I really enjoy throughout the series is, is Theon or Reek, you know, depending on... <laughs> on depending on where you are in the show. Depending but. on where you are in the show. And, and I feel like he is, he is this character who is so, so, so deeply tragic where it's like, you know, he's dealing with... In a, in a sense, like not really being wanted by his his true family, not feeling like he's wanted by his you know adopted family, you know feeling that he needs to put on airs to be taken seriously, and basically destroying you know the only real family that he did have, um, you know, and then essentially being destroyed for it. Mm-hmm. And tortured and tortured and tortured until he's given the opportunity to start to make amends um, and to, you know, start to right some of those wrongs that he had done. And, you know, just that whole process of watching him go through that and, and to still struggle with a lot of those ideas throughout the season, even as he starts to kind of find his way. I, I just thought there was something really beautiful about his arc. And, you know, he's he's one of the characters that I felt was was really served the best in this last season um, with some of the things that they allowed him to do and some of the interactions that they allowed him to have. Yeah. I think this comes back to a lot of the critiques of like the past season where you feel like he didn't have maybe enough screen time. Uh, I think there's like a, uh, you know, there's a critique critique that a lot of people are saying. And I think it's just like, it comes down to a shorter episode. Like the fact that he saves Yara in the span of like three minutes. Yeah. And then, like, he probably says a total of, like, ten words after that. Yeah. Like, a lot of, yeah, and we're going to talk about this more in a bit, but it just kind of comes down to, I think, a lot of, 
a lot of what we kind of felt for Theon was you know, a lot of the other actors is just like kind of the way they portrayed themselves and like their facial expressions mm-hmm. and the things they did. And yeah, I 100% Theon, great character, very interesting as far as his arc. I feel like he's 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 almost like the like the little kid mm-hmm. who's just kind of being dragged along where he's like impressionable and like kind mm-hmm. of peer like peer pressure leads him down like the wrong path, the wrong path. <laughs> like the yeah. Theon's a great example of don't listen to peer pressure kids don't do drugs kids. don't do don't do drugs uh yeah don't don't be like Theon or reek or yeah yeah that's uh that's a little too far <laughs> <laughs> So are there any other like characters or storylines that you, you find yourself really wanting to <laughs> indulge in? I really loved Oberyn, and mm. I'm spacing Ooh. on the actor's name, but he nailed the character from the books. Uh, he's a very, for me, that was one of the more surprising deaths of the whole oh, yeah. series, where like I think I had... The Red Wedding might have been spoiled for me. I can't remember now. Uh, but that one, that death hadn't been. And it really... I remember reading it uh, first. And I read the page. And, like, it's pretty... It's the power... It's, like, a really short... It's, like, a sentence. And then, like, his head blew up. And then that's it. And then you, like, you like skip a page. And, like, that didn't just happen. Like, and you read, read yeah. it. And, like, no. That happened. <laughs> and he's such a, like, a captivating interesting character he's just like this like bravosi just like manly man he's like oh i'm gonna have sex with whoever i want like it's great like i'm just like this great warrior i'm this legend and like you're like oh i'm gonna learn more about this character and like it was very like you really got like this surface level yeah and like i guess i wanted more of oberon yeah yeah no definitely in in this show it was uh pedro pascal is the actor he's actually going to be the titular character in the new disney plus streaming show the mandalorian Mm. um in the star wars universe he was also he's been in a bunch of stuff he's a fantastic actor and i think that's like one of the things like his his performance is over and like you know again a character who's not there for very long but like builds so much r- rapport with you because of how captivating he is but also why he's doing what he's doing and you know i think that idea of of revenge because he is someone who is out to get retribution so like even though he has all that bravado and everything like that, like a lot of that is built around like, hey, I need an opportunity to kill this person who wronged my family. How do I how do I make that happen? How do I you know, when when am I going to be able to seize that opportunity? When is it going to come to me? Um, and I always kind of love the way that the show deals with revenge and making it so that it's not, hey, revenge is great. You're going to get it. And you're going to feel <laughs> great. And it's like. Sometimes revenge is not achievable. The people that you seek to kill will sometimes be killed before you get to them. Sometimes they'll crush your skull. You know, sometimes like you're going to have to ally with, uh, you know, you're going to have to ally with somebody who you thought you were, you were going to kill. And I just, I think that is like a really cool recurring theme within the show. Just like, you know, rethink revenge, like that kind of idea. I kind of want to hear like Yoda just like talk to Arya as like hate leads to anger, <laughs> and just like and just, like it is like it kind of comes back to this whole cycle. And I loved that scene with the Hound, and it was a short scene. And I think for a lot of people, it might have felt like a little bit, a little rushed. 
Um, but like the kind of the sit down moment of like you're like look at me like do you want to be me like because yeah. that's that's exactly where you're heading and he's like you can't you don't have to be me you can you just because these people did you wrong doesn't mean you have to like change your life to just murder them yeah you know it's 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 funny you know again we're still not there still not talking about this last season but like just like that idea of wanting a little bit more from like from those two you Mm -hmm. know especially since we were given so much of it earlier in the show um you know just thinking about like characters and storylines that i really love like when i was doing my rewatch like that whole portion of the hound and aria traveling together and like slowly learning to enjoy each other's company was like so it was it was wonderful to watch mm-hmm. you know and that and that moment you know you know narrowly missing the red wedding you know getting to um just completely drawing a blank basically getting to the veil mm-hmm. and like you know oh like you know on stead like ah great like you know those little moments with them traveling together like it was some of the uh, some of my favorite stuff from the show like just to see two characters interact for like a prolonged period of time and really see their relationship to one another shift but also understand where they are at based on the world around them mm-hmm. and i think that's something that's like really cool about like the first season too that i always forget about it's just like Tyrion and John and their interactions in that like very you know beginning of the show that we just you know we kind of forget about until we get back to the end and it's like oh like hey these two characters kind of started their journeys together yeah and they're ending their journeys together and so it's like how do we like just there's those aspects that I just really love how they're able to kind of thread those needles and make it work I do want to say one thing about the hound when you look back at the show as a whole, the Hound has yes, he's like murderous, but he has one of the better moral compasses. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of all the characters, and he has this like rough exterior, and he's like intimidating. But like even from season one, where he like uh, I can't remember who he saves, uh, but he like he saves and he like saves somebody from it's, his um, uh, from his brother, the Mountain. Uh, he steps it, in. No one else would do that. Is it Lancel? Lancel, I think it is Lancel. It's either Lancel or um, not Renly. It's not. It's it's either Lancel or Renly. I can't remember which one it was. I think it's Lancel. Yeah, I think you're right with that. And he's and like the only people he kills are really the people who start fights with him. Yeah. Like looking back at it, like he doesn't just kill anyone just for the sake of it. He usually has like a. He's usually provoked, or it's Arya starting something, and like (laughs) he has to put himself in a bad situation. But I like he like. But then when you. When you think about that, like, like, and kind of just like, don't judge a book by a co- by its mm-hmm. cover. It's it's exciting when you kind of reflect on the on the on Game of Thrones as a whole, mm-hmm. and you're like, he was one of the good guys from the beginning, and we kind of ignored it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's the thing that's like, it's easy to miss a lot of the the signs of what characters are actually important. Um, you know, and I think that's something that's like come back full circle with this last season and everybody trying to predict what's happening. And the folks that have been right about everything are the folks that like, you know, were really able to kind of track like, well, this is what happened in, you know, book one or in the first season. And like, that's how this is going to lead to that. And it's like, you know, all of that stuff 
was always there. Um, so I, I think this is a good spot to kind of transition into kind of talking about that that idea of the book and that transition to the show. And, you know, you know, I'm going to really kind of concede to your expertise because I'm sure you remember a lot more of the aspects of the books than I do. But like, you know, what are some of those things that stand out about the book as compared to the show? You know, and again, we, we talked before, you know, you know, really getting started with this about how like, you know, it's, it's not a matter of which is better. And I, I think that's something that I, I really want to make clear, especially with all the petitioning and people demanding that the book be released and all of that stuff. Like one is not better than the other. They're different. They're different stories. They're told in different ways. They involve different characters and and different plot lines, even though there are similarities, there are same through lines and they may end up in the same place. You know, they are very different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's only... Whenever you convert a book to a movie or TV show, there's always going to be things lost. You can't capture the inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think with Game of Thrones, like, the books are always going to be kind of... Like, anything time you go into from books to TV show, movies, it's always going to be tough, like, capturing the inner dialogue, Mm -hmm. kind of to assess what the character is thinking and the books like also are way more in depth mm-hmm. like let's just like i'll say it, like watching the show the first two seasons before diving into the books helped for me immensely yeah because there's more characters it's like names kind of running like blur mm-hmm. blur together and then you just like it's too much to kind of remember but you're able to, but like watching the show and then reading the books, it the books are just there's more characters, there's more depth, and you kind of get a better understanding of what characters are thinking and mm-hmm. planning and plotting, where you're not always going to see that in the TV show. And I think that's like the struggle, especially where we see in the la- later seasons, is the fact that a lot of like Danny's problems like it's like a lot of her like being in her own head and then the show can't show that they can't yeah. represent it like it's just part of it's just part of the medium like the limit of that medium yeah no absolutely i mean that, i think that's one of the things that's really great about um that is really great about the books it's like those pov perspectives and they try to mimic it in the in the show mm-hmm. as much as they can but but to your point it's like there is that kind of internal turmoil that that can't quite be expressed and you know i i, I wonder if sometimes that's that's to the show's like I feel like that works a little bit against the show in, in mm-hmm. certain ways. And, you know, I know I said we don't want to compare, but it's like that's one of the things that I realized, like especially like going into the li- like the later seasons that would have been really important to kind of establish, um, especially with Danny's character, because mm-hmm. while we have that knowledge because we've read the books, we know what's going on there. I understand that for some people what happened in the in the end with her may not make sense. They may not have seen it, you know, they'll say, Hey, sure there there are elements that happened within the show, but those, you know, that's not character development that leads to this. You know, and it's like I, I get that. And and I know I talked to you about this before, I think it was via text or something, where mm-hmm. it was just like the idea that we allow our, you know, kind of our knowledge of these stories to kind of fill in some of those blanks 
And, you know, that allows us to kind of hand wave some of the problems that the show has. Um, again, like, you know, I, I had started my rewatch during the summer last year, took a bit of a break from it, started it back up in the winter. And one of the things I was reading through, like some of my my tweets from, you know, rewatching the show. Uh, and one of the things that I, that I was talking about is just like the number of just holes and issues that the show has that like you basically just don't even think about because, hey, there are so many characters and so many things going on that you're just like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll not worry about that. Like, let me follow Tyrion for a while. Like, oh, okay, we're, <laughs> we're over here to, to Rob for however long he's here. Like, you know, and so like, I think that's like the good thing about the the books too, because it's like, all right, like any shortcomings that that George may have in terms of his writing, I'm just gonna keep calling him George. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's shorter. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, like I heard somebody refer to him as Grim, and I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm oh, just no. gonna call him George. Because um, we, we, I'm sure we'd be friends. Like, even though he likes the Giants, I mean, you like. I the mean, Giants, I love the Giants, so, so I like, get along with them well. Um, but I mean, like. You know, just the fact that he has so much room to kind of work different things in, it allows him to kind of, you know, in a sense, kind of pave over some of those things that might be seen as like, you know, potholes within the story. Yeah, it's yeah. There's a there's a lot. The books. The one thing I'll give the books credit for is the fact, like Dorn. I think that oh. kind of comes back to a failure on the show. Dorn was a total missed opportunity. I didn't like the storyline. I didn't love the characters. The casting. Was, the, yeah. the casting was rough. Actually, I don't. So this is the thing. I, I, again, like just thinking about it, I don't know if it was the casting or the specific writing that they were given and the direction of those characters. Like it's it's always hard to tell with these kinds of things. I haven't seen those actors in most of those actors in other things. It, for, it felt like a four. It was very is. If for those of you who don't know, Dorn is approached very differently, completely differently from the show. It like went off a tangent, and I understand why they did what they did. They need to consolidate. You need to kind of like speed things along. We can't introduce more characters. I, I we can't introduce more than like the Dorn situation was just not not good. The books, I'll uh, that's the my, that's my major gripe of the show between the books and the mm. show is just like that total missed opportunity. Yeah, and I don't think they really, really captured like the ethos of those characters either. I think a lot like they're they're all like kind of supposed to be, you know, Bravosi kind of like their dad. They're like yeah. they're supposed to be they're more complex and they just. They just feel like they just feel a little forced. They like are, yeah. the, they're supposed to be these great warriors. Oberon's daughters are like these great warriors, and then they can't. And there's three of them, and they can't beat Braun and a one-handed Jamie, which immediately cheapens it. And like the whole whip as a weapon, like the whip is a terrible weapon. It's a terrible weapon. It is a terrible it's weapon. Terrible. And then like like sorry, right, if you have knives, okay, fine. Like it's a it's supposed to be like a subvert covert mission. Are, are, I'm okay with that. But, and then the way people they handle it, the books. Yeah, I'm not gonna go in too deep because it'll probably take an hour to explain yeah. the whole Dorn <laughs> plotline and how it relates to Daenerys. But it it was just a total missed opportunity for me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I think that's one of those things that you know sometimes those wasted opportunities when you have. Again, like, I just think it's like when you don't know what fully to do with something that you're given. 
you know, and there's, there's like other weird little changes that I think about from time to time when it's like, you know, the, the scarring of, of Tyrion and like, you know, it's like unnecessary. You know, we don't need to cut his nose off in the show, but there's a part of me that's like, I would have loved to see that, like to like actually have them disfigure you know, Peter Dinklage for the remainder of the season after Blackwater. <laughs> they, like, like, if they can't afford to do, like, CGI Ghost in, they can't afford to <laughs> cut off Jeremy's Clearly nose. they were able to CGI a padding of ghosts. We'll get, a, get to that in the end, but, like... <sighs> we can talk about it now. We can, <laughs> that could be our segue. I mean... To... Yes. The last season. So... We're going to come at it a little bit differently. So a lot of people on the internet and in real life too, there are people in real life. (laughs) um, They're not all just on the internet. Hate the last season at like vitriol, like people, millions of people are signing petitions saying that this final season of Game of Thrones should be remade. You, Zach, sitting across from me, you love the final season. I do. Take me through why. Where do we begin? I guess start at the beginning. That's, no, that's, no. So no, let's, let's work through this. So I didn't have a problem. I'll preface it with this. I didn't have a problem with season seven really at all. Um, I think it was like that's where some that's where some troubles start. Did you? Did you all right, I just just jumping in here for a second. Go just ahead, go to, ahead. About to throw you off your your train. You had a, you were all right with the whole like let's get a zombie heist. I was. <laughs> all right, let's <laughs> let's just say this, John. Let's stop pretending like John is full of bright ideas because he's not. Like a lot of time, he has a lot of bad ideas. That was one of those. That's that- terrible. It's a terrible plan. And and uh, Danny should have listened to Tyrion. He's like, you, like, they did this. This is their idea. Like, let them, let die. them die. And it, it'd be a very different show if Danny just listens to Tyrion in that moment. I know Tyrion ends up giving her some bad advice otherwise, but that was some good advice that wasn't taken. It's true. Yes. It's not perfect. I mean, it characters like aren't always going to make the smart decision in TV shows. I'm going to chalk it up to that. I really enjoyed that whole like zombie chase sequence. I thought that was like pretty cool. I was like, (laughs) oh my, yeah, it's a little, you need to kind of forget a few things like forget the common sense behind it. And, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy, okay. Going into season eight, I think the first two episodes, I think for the most part feel like vintage game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Where a lot of it's, you know, it's the setup to the big battle. Uh, and then you have, of course, the big battle season or uh, episode three. And for a lot of people, they're like, oh, like they, they killed the Night King. And that they're like, there's three more episodes. Like for everybody, like, who, like this was the coup de grace. Like this was the final moment. This was like, this was supposed to be it. This is all the prophecies mm-hmm. it talked about. And then John doesn't even get to kill the Night King. Arya does. Like, not that, like, I have zero problem with that. I know some people on the internet, for whatever reason, like, chose to complain about that. See, see what's interesting. So I'm, uh, I am a avid live tweeter of Game of Thrones. Um, and I do so with the black Twitter community. Uh, and there was almost nothing but love 
for Arya doing that. So it's like that part is is mm. interesting to me because I didn't know people were upset about that whole thing. Like I know I know some people are like, oh, it should have been John, but like for the folks that like I was communicating with, so much of it was like, yeah, like Arya did that. Like it was. You know, there's the excitement about Arya being the one to do it. Because, like, realistically, she probably has the best skill set to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, like, just subtly, like, I I have to talk about it because a lot of people miss this. There's this really subtle thing that happens where, like, Bran is looking at the Night King, looks down at his chest, looks back up, and right after that is when Arya comes in. Wow. And it's, like, it's so easy to miss but it's just like it's one of those super small details and I know people were probably complaining that the episode was too dark and that's why they missed it um, <laughs> but like that that moment is so cool and, I, and again I get I I can understand people feeling like it was undeserved of her to get it but like I'll let you continue I just I wanted to, to but no that, like you brought up a good point like I didn't know that like there's these little things these little tiny like minutia details that are in the show that I can usually I'll miss the first time over and then I, I'm like I want to watch it again like what else did I miss like yeah. like I re- I probably watched that episode or at least parts of it or at least that section like five times and you still missed and it and I still miss well, it well again yeah. again it's just like one of those things where it's like all of those little breadcrumbs and like that's my favorite part about it it's like every like from Arya's like you know water dancing training to mm-hmm. this final moment like all of these different moments along her journey play into that moment. And like, for me, it's like, all right, maybe I didn't love the beginning part of that episode because like, I'm not the biggest fan of huge, confusing battles unless they are the battle of the bastards, which is shot in daylight, um, <laughs> making it like, you know, like, cause the thing is like the difference between the battle of the bastards is like, you are following John for most of it. And so it's like, you are kind of, you know, with him, you know, getting crushed and coming out and, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, it's a little bit different where it's like, all right, this is dark. You're flashing between all of these different characters. It's a little bit hard to follow. I get it. But, you know, again, like all of these pieces of Arya's story kind of all coming together in this moment, including some of the stuff from season seven, when, you know, Bran gives her, you know, little fingers dagger at the weirwood tree, mm-hmm. exactly where she needs to be later. It's just like, all of that stuff, I love it. You know, I just love that kind of ability to kind of seed all of these little pieces and then to make them pay off. That's what Game of Thrones has like been beautiful. It's been beautiful about, and you have all those moments, and you and we were rewarded in a lot, in a lot of ways, like throughout this season, where we had those little moments of like coming full circle, like the dagger that was used to kill Bran, who ended up becoming king. Uh, ends up like being used to kill the Night King. Like that's yeah. like, there's something. I mean, I'm sure, like, George R. R. Martin has probably one of his notes that, like, coming back to it, and that's, like, that's so fortuitous, mm-hmm. so I, I love that. I love that aspect of it. And coming back to, like, Arya, I think coming back to some people being outraged that Arya killed the Night King, I think it, there, for me, and then there doesn't seem to be a consensus mm-hmm. always where, like, some people, everyone seems to have their own problems with it. I haven't had... Of the people I've talked to, there isn't, like, a universal, like, oh, I didn't like this part. I didn't like this mm-hmm. part. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, coming to episode six, just talking to my friend just before I got here. He didn't like the fact that Sansa poo-pooed Edomir. And he was trying to validate Edomir as a king. And I was like, 
first, and he's, I'm like, and I was like, I, I shot it down immediately. Unlike, unlike Edmir was able to shoot anything. Like, he, like, <laughs> like he's just like aloof. He's just, he, he's an idiot. He's, he is shown to be an idiot. Like, he's like, oh, Rob Stark didn't tell him about that. I'm like, all right, even if that's true or whatever, I'm not going to argue that. Like, what's one good thing he's done? Like your argument for him is that he's like, he's probably like he's older and white and like a dude. Like I don't know. Like I don't know what the argument is he, for him to be king. I mean, like he literally gave up his family's key. <laughs> he, yeah, he gave it up, and you can just say like, oh, he did to save his child. Fine, whatever. Don't. But like, there's no, no there's no good qualities to like no. make him a ruler. There's, like everyone else, like Sansa. Like, even Sansa is a way better option. She proves that just by, like, poo-pooing him right yeah. there on the spot and just be like, dude, sit down. I love that. I, I, I know I, I one of a, a YouTuber that I that I really enjoy made an episode, a, a video essentially saying, like, why Game of Thrones sucks, like, you know, and talking about how, in his opinion, like, the last season undoes a lot of the stuff that he really loved about the series. And I get, like, I, I'll be honest, like, I thoroughly enjoyed the video. And he does raise some great points, like, why is the Night King in the story if he doesn't really matter to the story, in I mean, a sense? He, but, like, is he in the story? I mean, like, how much is he but in he, the story? That's that's the point. Yeah. He's he's not really. He's not really. <laughs> he's not really he's like this over, like... The threat really is the major threat has always been other people. It's always been people, and and we we've talked about this. Like we've talked about this at length, and like so it's one of those things that like we always knew, but at the same time, it's like why are we even wasting our time? Which is like a, a, mm. a valid criticism that I that I understand about it, and and I think that's ultimately for a lot of folks like that's where that kind of issue comes in you know or that that issue with this season comes in uh but you had more stuff that you were going to say it's all setting up for the prequel man that's <laughs> or yeah i guess it's a, yeah it's a prequel it's not yeah it's not like after right yeah supposedly there are three so there were there were like five prequels that could have been mm. two have been officially canned one is beginning filming soon uh, with George as an executive producer, so he will be helping work on it. I don't mm. know to what extent, though. Mm. Um, so that's where things are going to be going next. And I believe it's going to be set during... Oh, I'm drawing a blank on I it. I think it's set like with like the when the first men, I think, are already on, and maybe... Yeah, like it's when the Night King is created. Yeah, like, I think, essentially, and like the Children of the Forest are still mm-hmm. like involved. Yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. see. Come, I keep on getting off track, but no, I mean that's that's the, that's the, the great the, thing it's about the, it's podcasts. the fun of it. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's the conversation. It's where we end up. But kind of kind of episode three. Yeah, so you have some people who are outraged about random things, whatever. It, the episode was dark. Fine, but even at the start, at like the episode, I thought I thought they literally killed everyone off like immediately. No fanfare. And I was like, they just like wipe out like Brienne and Jamie and everybody. And yes, we can ignore certain things that like yeah, if you're in the front line of that battle, you're dead. Like, Jorah should have died like at the very beginning. Jorah should have died at the beginning. Yeah, like uh, I, and I love Jorah. Like I we've talked Gr- about the Jorah. I thought like, Grey Worm was in the front. The Unsullied were just getting wiped out. Like they were had like there's still more of them though. I, I know they were like they were supposed to be great warriors, and 
But like most of the time, we just see them just getting destroyed, unless yeah. it's like just attacking like random like people that are not prepared. Like, but like they're always like they're always just getting killed like randomly. <laughs> just, I mean, here nor there, little little minutia, little things to okay. pick out. It's fair. Yeah, and then so coming to the episode after that, which I think. It, for most people, where it was the, like when it started, episode point. four is yeah when people start to that was that was the episode where I heard the most people kind of cry out mm, um, yeah that this has issues now I see them playing as day I want a refund <laughs> I'm gonna start with the one that bothers me the least is with not petting ghost I know people were so upset about that. So upset about it, and I really could care less. I'm like, people, this is symbolism. He is trying to forsake the whole Stark aspect of his fame. Like, this is him trying to be more of a dragon. Like, I like there, yeah, yeah. like that. Yes, and see, doing a CGI for a white direwolf is really, really hard. Like, it is. But see, see, this is this is like. So I, I mentioned it briefly before, but this is the thing where it's like I wish they had not done any of the interviews until after like the series had been done, because it's like stuff like that. I don't need to like. I enjoy like I I read a lot of like behind the scenes stuff on all of my favorite things. Saying that like, hey, the CGI was too hard, so we didn't do this while the show is still in production is not a good look. Like, just from a PR standpoint. I get that, but you can't have the response. Be, you can't lay it up for your audience. Be like, John's trying to... Like, this is a symbolism tied to John trying to forsake the Starks and trying to... Like, you can't lay it up just yet. Just but yet, you can't. But in that in that same, like, in, in that specific episode... <laughs> no, no, no. It's like the... Yeah, no, it's in that specific episode where it's just like... They just, like, kind of create, like, their own explanations for things. Like... Danny forgot ships were there. Like, yeah, that's that's what I mean. So it's like you have you have that combined with all right. You know, the next day our our effects person is saying, "Oh, we couldn't afford to do this." When you were able to do a dragon getting shot out of the sky, and we see you know, well, you know, good boy gets his pats in the end. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like don't don't say anything here. Like yeah. you, the response should have been no comment right now. And then it's like when the show is all over, then you talk about why certain decisions were made. Yeah. But I don't hold that against the actual episode that they made. Oh, no, 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 no. Again, like a lot of my issues are just purely on like the human production side of this. It's fair. It's fair. So we can come back to, we can go to the dragon now. So, and I was, and our old boss, Mike Abdal, was making fun of, like, Danny for, like, oh, not knowing, like, how could she not know? Let's rewind a little bit. Danny already had a dragon shot with a bolt, and it didn't really do anything. The, the, yeah, and the dragon she rides was hit while she was riding it. So she, so, like, our, like to her, it's not an issue. Like, yeah. all right, like, this thing can't, they can't kill my dragon. The only thing that's yeah. killed one of her dragons up to this point is the Night King. Yeah. And the Night King's dead, so she's feeling rather invincible. She's, mm-hmm. like, coming off a high, coming back. She is also frustrated because she's had to sit through a party where a guy who has also been on the back of a dragon is being like, oh, big dick energy, Jon Snow jumped on a dragon, he's crazy, I drink breast milk. Like, 
Um, you know, like, <laughs> so she's she's feeling some sort of way right now. So, yeah, but, yeah, go she's on. yeah, and like, and that comes back to being a tough medium where you can't be in like. The books, like, they'd probably do a much better job of kind of, like, going through Danny's head. And rather, you're just kind of, like, forced to rely on just, you know, Amelia Clark's facial expressions. And I will say this, that she did, I believe she did a great job. She did a great job. Yeah, yeah, I think she nailed it. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the actors really, really did a good job. The face acting. The face acting. There's a lot of face acting. And because Varys in that very same scene where it's like, he just gives a look and you know everything he's thinking. Like, I just... I thought, like, that stuff was so good. Mm-hmm. So, coming back, dra- dragging in shot. I'll say this. Militarily, mil- if you look at military history, let's just look at Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor shouldn't have happened. Like, we sh- like yeah. they saw the airplanes on the radar, and they didn't react. They, they, people saw them flying over, and they mm-hmm. thought they were just American planes flying over. These things happen in military. Suspend, like, I don't think you really even need to suspend, suspend disbelief enough to just believe that, like, a dragon could have gotten mm-hmm. shot out of the sky. There's, up to that point, the threats had all been nullified. Yeah. So, I had no, I think people made, like, a mountain of them over a molehill on that one. I, like, that one I will defend. I'm like, alright, people, like, relax. I thought it was, like, my, my biggest, like, it, and, and I tweeted it at the time, I was just like, well, that was abrupt. <laughs> it, is, it is. Super abrupt. <laughs> it is super quick, just like the Oberyn death. Like, yeah. it, it happens quickly all of a sudden. Like, I mean, that's how yeah. death is on Game of Thrones. It's quick. It's not, it's usually, other than Ned Stark, it's never elongated. Yeah. I, I guess the the other issue that I had with it, and it's, this is not so much like a story, but it's just like the, you know, wondering, you know, it's character mental state, or it's like, clearly... You know, because that's uh, which one? That's Regal. Regal, yeah. Yeah, Regal was clearly not flying well after the battle with the Night King's yeah. dragon. Like, he should have been allowed to take a rest. Just, like, just just take a nap. Like, why do you? Why? I mean, why Regal have to go? You're almost there. You're almost a Dragonstone. Like, that's another thing. Like, time. Like, all oh, like how like how come it takes so long? Like, time has always been a weird thing in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like when I always found it interesting when people are like, oh, Arya's eighteen years old. But I'm like, but how do you know that? There's no seasons. We judge our time by seasons. Why are they? What are they judging their years on? <laughs> like, true, true. Because it's like winter's coming. Winter finally got. Like winter's five years. It's, like it, it took literally seven seasons of the show for winter to get there. Yeah, and they say like a season's about a year, I yeah. think most of the Some, time. It's something or like around that. And like and especially you see this in the books a lot where it's kind of ambiguous where you're following certain characters and they might be ahead of time, whereas you might come back and another character I mean book four and five are like like characters aren't even included in those books and they're just like their own four and five are happening at the same time almost yeah um so coming back coming back to bones to pick with uh episode four i think i mean i don't i'm trying to remember what else like was the problem uh, miss sunday's miss sunday's death because well, I, I i do have a lot of problems with it and like this kind of gets back to like the overall critique of the show which is the way that it treats um women and people of color and like you know one of the interviews that i was watching with george R. R. martin like he kind of talked about it because it's like for him all right when he was writing those books it's like you know when you go back to like the you know slaves and yunkai and everything like that 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 daenerys is freeing like 
in the show, it's like very clearly like black and brown people. Mm-hmm. In the books, it's supposed to be like a much more, you know, diverse grouping of people where it's not just like, hey, people who look like the people that were enslaved in the US. Mm. Um, and I think that's like part of the challenge that I kind of have with the show where it's like, all right, like Dan and Dave in their treatment of the material sometimes tend to take a very like, hey, we want to send this message, this like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of US centric political message about kind of our history using Game of Thrones and their visuals as kind of the lens for that. Um, and that's something that's kind of happened throughout and it's been kind of like callous about that mm-hmm. and callous in the way that, you know, some of those black and brown characters are treated as well as how female characters are, are treated within that show. Um, you know, just kind of like the, the trivialization of, you know, rape in a sense. Mm-hmm. So it's like the scene in that same episode between Sansa and the Hound um, where, you know, the Hound is essentially lamenting the things that Sansa had to experience and like, you know, Sansa essentially just playing it off. Well, I'm glad those things happened because it made me stronger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's, I understand what they were trying to say or trying to do there, but it's like the way that that kind of, you know, again, it, it, it sort of trivializes sexual assault as this thing that makes you stronger you know and then you know again fast forwarding fast forwarding to Missandei a character who has said like she is not going to die in chains and and everything like that all of her agency completely removed we have an opportunity for her to take her own life you know and still send that powerful message that Daenerys needs to you know go on her her you know attack run against King's Landing you know they kind of take that from her and there's there's a part of me that like has a lot of issues with that um you know just because it's like you had a moment to do something true to this character because mm-hmm. she she was not going to die that way mm-hmm. you know and I, and I get the whole like subversion of expectations subversion of like you know the way these stories are told and and kind of not necessarily giving characters that mo- those moments but i feel like this is a time where that could have worked really nicely as opposed to all right well we just had another person beheaded mm-hmm. and it happened to be like the only named black woman on the show you know so like i think though there's certain aspects like that that don't necessarily you know they're more related to the optics of the show and how mm-hmm. it's perceived by the populace and less on the, you know, inner workings of the story, even yeah. though like, you know, it's a problem that could be fixed by how you tell that story. Um, but I think those are, or those are some of those factors that, you know, again, that episode in particular raised for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, it's just like that idea of the way that, certain things were redrawn, you know, so between, you know, episode four and five, you know, all right, you know, we have redistributed the way the waterways around King's Landing are so that they work for this specific story that we're telling. So these people can be here when, you know, a couple of seasons ago, there was no way that they could be there. <laughs> Continuity issues. Yeah. And, and so it's like, it's, it's, 
stuff like that that I understand kind of builds up for people. And, and, and again, like especially, you know, there's there's that issue where if you've been watching the show for, you know, a long period of time and you've really kind of cared about it and gotten into it and liked it because of some of those slower, more realis- realistic kind of aspects, I can I can understand how that stuff can like be really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. Coming back to Sansa, I agree, no, 100% in that sense. I think they could have written it in a different way to kind of better mm-hmm. convey what... I know what they were trying to say, and it definitely wasn't picked up by everybody. Totally 100% on board with that, uh, for that criticism. And, yeah, when it comes back, comes back to Masande, like, yes, it is uh, definitely in kind of an overarching kind of criticism of uh, Game of Thrones and kind of... I don't have a problem... I understand, I guess, the critique as far as, like, not being true to her character in that moment. And I did think, I'm like, you're right next to Cersei. Like, why don't you just, like, grab her and, like, hop off the edge? Yeah. And I think that's a little... Or even have Cersei push... Like, there's a few different things that they could have done there that worked for multiple characters. So, Masande jumps, you know, all right, cool, Mm -hmm. serves her. She grabs for Cersei. Cersei pushes her off. Works for Cersei as well as working for Missandei. It it just it felt like it was a again missed opportunity for multiple characters. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. I think so there's something about being beheaded though that kind of dehumanizes, and I think it still comes back. It like uh, the latter half of that season or. Pretty much all of season six and starting at, like at seven is about the breaking down of Danny and mm-hmm. like in that episode like from the end of uh, I guess yeah the, the whole the whole span of that episode where you lose Jorah she mm-hmm. loses what's essentially viewed as like another child to her mm-hmm. and then you lose like her best friend slash one of your closest advisors yeah. and it just like it you see it in her face and you just see her losing it mm-hmm. and you, like all of a sudden. She feel you'd see that she's like very alone. She's very she's starting to kind of cut herself off. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I hear you on Missandei. It's yeah. I do. I think that's perfect. No, I don't think it's perfect. I, yeah. I. But I do. I'm not gonna hold it really against that episode in particular. For, yeah. So I think because like there's. I mean, I remember I saw like. They had like a 58% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which I thought was... I don't think it deserves that. I don't that think it's it was not, that. It's not there. Like, if it's like a 70, I'm, like, I'm okay with a 70 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not the not the best, but it's not. It's not on that level. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at... I started comparing to other things that had higher scores on Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, yeah, that's like... This isn't fair. Well, I mean, like, even, even thinking about, like, one of the... As much as I've enjoyed a lot of what they did with Arya throughout the show, like, all of her faceless man training is stuff that, like, I actively did not enjoy. Mm. And it's like, I'm thinking about a whole bunch of those episodes where it was, like, prolonged, like, Arya doing training stuff where I'm like, I don't care about this, but somehow those episodes are scoring higher than what I think is still a competently done episode, even if I don't agree with all of the decisions. Like, yeah. that's that's the part that started to get really weird for me. It's like, why is it... Why is this being so much more hate? And, and 
I again, I get the you know the writing issues being something that some people don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like I get that, and I also the the thing is like I also understand that the most critical people are generally the ones that are going to write reviews anyway. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like, hey, they're just being more critical, and so that's why you know an aggregate score like a Rotten Tomatoes thing is going to be lower. Like I get that. Um, so I don't use Yelp. I can't, yeah, I, I mean, can't trust Yelp. Well, you can't. You can't trust it because it's like, all right, like when you're when you're is this good or bad is based on, well, these people like it, these people don't. You know that that's not a real. There's no middle ground for you. Of, are you like you're? I'm fine. Like I yeah. feel okay about it. Like it's not. But there's like a resolved anger yeah. that we've seen with the. You know, I'm gonna say the latter. This season, like, yeah. uh, I mean, again, it's it's from you know, it's it's basically four, five, six it is, the yeah. pieces, you know, and it's like, sure, there were people that had issues with three, but I think they a lot of folks kind of forgave it, but it was like, you know, it really, it was second half, not even second half. It's like whatever from from Regal dying on, I think, is the part that like destroyed people for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to. Danny and you see in like in episode five and she goes AWOL and she starts murdering everybody. And I think that's like and like people like people like name their kids after like after this character. They should have known. Like they, they probably should have seen this coming. <laughs> and I I so I brought this up this summer, I think my brother last night. And I was like, what are what if you switch the gender role of Danny? What if she's a man and, instead of a woman? And then you looked at all her past actions, and you look at what she like ends up doing at the end. I think you view that character completely differently. But because she's pretty, she has a soft, and she definitely starts off soft, like soft and kind. And she like she says all the right things at times, where she's like, "We're gonna, you know, defend the downtrodden." And then all of a sudden, like you realize that when she says downtrodden. And, like, who she envisions as a bad guy is just literally anyone who gets in her way. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody who has the potential to oppress people is an oppressor and needs to be destroyed. It's like the whole, like, you know, Batman fighting Superman and Batman v Superman. Like, even though it's not a good movie, it's just like, you know, even if there's the slightest chance, we have to take it as an absolute. (laughs) Um, You know, but, like, again, like... You know me. We've had these discussions before. Mm-hmm. I have always disliked Danny. I have never trusted Danny. You're in the minority, my yeah. friend. And and I and I understand why. I understand why. I mean, like I said in the text message the other day, like she's a pretty fascist. And I mean, like yeah. that is. I think it's pretty clearly established, at least by like the. I guess it's by the third season is when we really get to see it. Um, you know where it's like. All right, you know, I have made this decision and like sure she has those moments where she's unsure of what she just decided on or feels bad about certain things and the results of those things, but it's always been like this is my view of the world. Like the idea of breaking the wheel, like yeah, it's it's a great progressive sentiment that or at least we project it as yeah. progressive. Yeah. But at the same time it's like that's the same type of language that like all of these horrible men in our real history use to start these regimes that have slaughtered people, you know? And so it's like the fact that I guess like for me, like my frustration with all of that is not like 
oh, like this character couldn't turn and everything like that. Like, sure, throw in an extra episode where we get a little bit more time to see her go down that path or whatever you mm-hmm. need. You know, I think I do think that could have helped tell that story a little bit more easily. Sure. You know, again, I think it should have been 10, 10 episode seasons. Just my opinion. But, you know, everything was there for us. It's it's like you said, we wanted something different. We wanted we wanted a, a, a woman to be the hero of Game of Thrones, you know, and, and you know, I. I it, it goes a little bit beyond that because I think there there had always been a lot of nuance with a lot of the female characters on the show and whether or not, you know, in the show and in the books, whether or not they were always written perfectly because they weren't. Um, but whether it was Cersei, you know, and what we were getting from her or Sansa or Arya or Daenerys, like our, our mains, you know, and even to a lesser extent, Catelyn, like there was always something there that, you know, even, even the bad ones like Cersei, you root, like I found myself some seasons rooting for Cersei because it's like, yeah, no, you're, you know, this retribution that you were doling out. Like, you know, when she blew up the great sept, it's like, I cheered when that happened. Like (laughs) it's horrible. You know, obviously like it's a really bad thing to do, but it's like, I understood it. You know, but at the same time, like that whole thing that I was talking about before with revenge, it comes and bites her in the ass because, all right, by doing that, she also dooms her own child. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but it's like, those are the things. Like, I mean, that's the stuff that we were really interested in. So it's like, I get why people feel betrayed by that, despite the books, especially, and less, you know, maybe less so the show setting it up in a way where it's like we know that this character is on a dark path going to a dark place Mm -hmm. but again our expectations our projections our feelings of what this show should be and what these characters should be you know prevents some people from really accepting that this is happening and why it's happening yeah i think there there's a large population that i think no matter how the show was written, whether it be 10 episodes, like if it was production was perfect, there are still, there would still be a large population that would hate the ending just because Danny turns evil like that. Like there is a large population. Cause like a lot, of, I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, uh, like women, you know, like projecting onto Danny and like seeing like a strong, like they see, they see the, the bright spots. They see the, the, like the she's like a strong, powerful woman, like leading men, uh, and like you're like that's great. And kind of for some fans, they ignore the whole like, well, she crucified a quarter of the population, no. like randomly. It's like we'll just forget about that. Well, and and that that I think is like one of the great parts in the the last episode because it's like when Tyrion is kind of speaking to that specifically, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, they were bad men. You know, and just like kind of that. And because that was the same argument that people were giving me when I was explaining, well, she did this, she did this, she did this. You know, I get like, yeah, maybe maybe the character development wasn't there as much as you liked it to be. Mm -hmm. But like this is a this is a show, you know, speaking specifically to the show, like not even taking the book into account, because, again, most of the people we're talking to probably haven't read them. All of this stuff is is shown to us. Mm-hmm. You know, the vision in the House of the Undying is second season. 
Yeah. You know, so we have seen all of these different things that we know are coming at the end of the show for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it's like the fact that we choose to be surprised by it or let down by it either shows that, you know, you know, global we, we as fans, you know, who I'm assuming a majority are upset with, uh, with, with this just weren't either weren't paying attention to those aspects or again, just thought that this was another opportunity for the show to subvert that. Aspect yeah. I think that a lot of people are just like, Oh, you're just doing this for the shock value. You're like, cause I remember like, yeah, I was feeling like on Facebook and like social media, like all oh, the, like the, the writers just went off kill. Like, like I can't wait for George R. R. Martin to like correct this, and it's like mm, he's not. He's not going to correct. He's it. not going to correct if this. You've, if you've been reading along, like this is the exact. Like again, it's like this is the exact path that he set. Yeah, and it's very clear that he set this path. And like you definitely see some when you like reflect back on Game of Thrones as a whole, you definitely see some like overarching themes that George R. R. Martin believes in. Whereas you, like you can see, you can see his belief in religion. Where it's flawed, mm-hmm. the overzealous, like they're not good, like people, and like people tend to like read a little bit too much into prophecies, things mm-hmm. of that nature. And then also, like, let's remember that George R. R. Martin grew up in the Vietnam, like the era of the Vietnam, Vietnam War. War. Yeah. In the Vietnam War, it's almost like you almost really run it parallel to Danny, because at the, at the start of it, you're like, like we're fighting communists. Like we're mm-hmm. we're helping to instill democracy. We're the good guys. We're doing the good things. And you like, you see that with Daniel. Like, all right, yeah, we're fighting bad guys. Like yes, there's consequences to war, but like it all yeah. ends up in the will. And then in Vietnam, you start seeing that like women and children are being killed and murdered. And you're like, wait, I thought we were the good guys. And then all of a sudden, but like, and not to say that there is good or bad. There isn't. It's just war and war turn. And like, we see that in episode five when people, when the northerners and like everyone just start killing everybody and it just, it's just a free for all. Yeah. And like, that's just war. And it comes back to the central point of Game of Thrones where there is good and evil in everybody and we are capable of everything. I think Danny, I think she's like, she's, I don't think she was totally destined for that. I think it came at a crossroad with. I, I bear with me. You're giving no, no, me, you're no, giving no, me no, a face. You're giving me a face. Yeah. So I think that it comes down to when Bran offers John the choice. So you can tell her, or you cannot. Like you can keep this. Like you can tell Samson Arya, or you can keep this secret. And I think that is the fork in the road. Because I think before that, Varys, Tyrion, John. I think they could probably collectively kind of hold her in just enough and then John can make that decision to eventually like stay with her and like like keep her in boundary. But I think that decision like sets like uh Daenerys in motion when she comes in she says, Alright, let it be fear. Because yeah. like they're not gonna love me. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it the only way I know it will work. And she's like, I'm gonna make this you know, I'm gonna make them fear me. I'm yeah. gonna make them all like regret, like regret the day. Yeah, the, the let it be fear thing always reminded me of the Cersei, I choose violence mm-hmm. kind of line. But you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, that kind of feeling completely unloved, and and that's the thing that's always kind of interesting about Danny's character throughout the whole thing because it's always about that quest to be loved. Yeah, and without love. You know, there really is that kind of like desire to destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and it's just like it's it's one of those things I was kind of reminded of like going through the entire series, but like, you know, again, like, you know, as a liberator, what she's doing the entire time is just amassing an army. She's amassing power. Yeah, amassing power, amassing an army. It's getting the unsullied. It's getting the was the second sons. Is that what they were called? Yeah, second sons. Second sons. You know, getting back the Dothraki. Well, mm-hmm. essentially taking all of the Dothraki, all of the Dothraki by killing all of their leaders. Which, arguably, like they were dicks, but I don't know if they were. <laughs> like they were a system of their environment. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I. So that's, that when people make that kind of argument, like they were bad, it's like from what we saw on the show, like we just know they were jerks. Yeah, and like sure that system, you know, was different, and she didn't agree with it, and so she destroyed them, mm-hmm. like, and decided to institute her own rule. Which and we is, all cheer for it. We all and we all applaud. You know, and, and so like I mean, I think that's one of those things where, you know, again, that was the aspect of like the turn in the bells that like I had no issue with, and so it's like. I don't know. It was like one of those things that was really interesting to me watching the response because it's like, yeah, I didn't agree with all of the decisions that were made from a writing perspective. I thought certain things went on. Like, I thought the destruction of King's Landing went on way too long in terms of, you know, actual showtime and, you know, why it was, you know, we, we talked a little about about the whole Ari and the Hound thing and like there was a part of me that's like, why am I just following Arya around these streets? Like, you know, yes, I get that it's to kind of put that fear of death back into her, mm-hmm. which is important, but I don't know if it needed to be done this way because essentially when we see her in the very next episode, it may as well have not have happened. Or at least that's what it feels like. Mm. You know, and so it's like there are certain decisions that were made where I'm just like, is this just a convenience? Is this necessary? You know, you know, as much as I have been rooting for Clegane Bowl. I haven't talked to you about Clegane Bowl. Now I come to think of it, I don't know how you feel about it. How do you feel about Clegane Bowl? I thought it I thought it was fine. Like for me, it was fine. no, 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 for me, like that was never a big deal. I know a lot of people made that out to be, I think bigger than it was. Like I, I figured it would probably happen sooner or later. But it wasn't, like, that important to me. The Mountain, like, isn't really a very important character, in my opinion. And it's, like, I thought it was, like, I thought it was, like, a fun shot. I yeah. thought it was it was entertaining. Uh, and, like, and that's, like, that's just kind of, like, I thought it was entertaining. Like, yeah. I, I, um, just, like, on the Hound for a second, because, like, there's a part of me that actually, you know, not going to tell George how to write these books, but there's a part of me that would actually be fine if the Hound was allowed to stay stay dead. Like, I know there's, like, all those hints of him being the... Because the, he's, like, technically gone in the books. He's, oh, Because there's, yeah. like, the Gravedigger, and there's the speculation that, like, he might be the Hound, and I'm like, I'd be cool if he wasn't. If he was just dead. If he's just dead. Like, you know, because, like, yeah. the thing is, like, he doesn't really serve a purpose in this show other than for that moment with Arya. Mm-hmm. Like literally, he serves no like in since coming back. Like you don't need him for any of the stuff that he does, you know. And so like, there's that part of me that like wonders like 
does he like in the books does he need to come back uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. You could like argue that his character arc ends like finished. after defending Brienne. Like he like he defends Arya from a person who he sees as an enemy, as, an enemy. as someone who's there to yeah. like kill, kidnap, whatever yeah. to Arya. And he like fights like his heart out and he loses. Yeah. And like he has a typical response to like kill me, kill me, and then yeah. Arya doesn't. And, and and I think that's the other thing. So like going back to the Battle of Winterfell where or technically it was the episode before that. Um, what was that episode called? Episode two, when Arya and the Hound have that moment on the battlement and, you know, she asks him, like, have you ever fought for anything besides yourself? And he says, I fought for you, didn't I? You know, and it's like, have him die in the Battle of Winterfell. Like, I mean, like, take Bull away from the fans. Because it's like, I, as a comic book fan, like, you know, I gushed about Endgame for hours and like, there's a certain level of fan service that I really like. Game of Thrones is not something where we need that kind of fan service. At least in my opinion. In your opinion, because I think a lot of people would argue with you on oh, that no, no, point. No. I know a lot of, like, trust me, like I've been following YouTubers <laughs> for, for essentially years at this point who are like, Clegane Bowl, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, we're really excited about it, and it's like, yeah, it, it was a, it, the, one of my favorite shots from this, or, you know, compositions from this entire season, you know, Sander walking up the steps with the mountain just standing there, you know, ceiling ripped out, dragon flying by, breathing fire, love it, looks great, but I also, like, it doesn't do anything for me, you know? Yeah. Other than being something that looks cool. And it's like, again, it's like, allow characters to truly, you know, in a sense, serve a purpose. And I know that sounds really utilitarian and, mm-hmm. and like, kind of, you know, again, dehumanizing. But it's like, within the context of the story, like, his, that last conversation that he has with Arya on the battlement, I fought for you, didn't I? is essentially the same thing as you don't want to end up like me, you know? And it's like, which of those do you end with? And it's like, for me, it's like, it's stronger if he dies protecting her so that she can go and do what she needs to do with the Night King rather than just getting him to King's Landing so that he can have a fight with his zombie brother. (laughs) I don't like, yeah, I don't hate that idea. I don't, I don't hate the idea of him possibly, uh, just like and dying at Winterfell, I I'm right there with you on that. I think it's funny because I think your criticism is the exact opposite to other criticism. Where I the most common critique I think I've heard is it didn't end the way I expected it to, which didn't makes zero sense to me. <laughs> like why? Why would you want this to end the way you expected? Like first of all, when has this show ever done that? Yeah. Like why? And then why would you want it now in the finale? Like yeah. that—that—that's the one criticism I can't stand. Where like oh, I didn't—I didn't want it to end this way. Well, like that to me like makes like it makes me feel better. Like because it's—it's not an ending I expected. Yeah. That there were aspects that surprised me. The fact that a show that we can talk at nauseum for two years in anticipation to, and it still manages to surprise us. Like to me, that that those are the things that makes me feel good and like yeah. feel good about this season is the fact that it like. It still managed to surprise us. And, like, the problem with, like, endings... Endings are hard. They are hard. Endings are not easy. Let's, let's just touch on Walking Dead for a moment. 
I gave up on that show because there's no ending in sight. Yeah. There's no. There's literally no ending. There's literally no ending. And I can't. Like, for me, I can't stand shows that just seem to have like this kind of. And I got this kind of from like Westworld, where I kind of felt I felt good about the first season, and then the it second should have ended at the first. season. It should have ended in the first season, and then the second season just kind of did nothing for me. And at the end of it, I was like, okay, so are they just going to drag this out for another season? And I, I guess they are. Now Aaron Paul's in it. I I haven't seen the trailer yet, but like it comes back, it comes back to endings, and endings are hard. And this one was planned out from the very beginning. Yeah, and that's why we can both. I think a lot of fans can rewatch this show, look back, point out the things, and be excited about it because there's all these <laughs> callbacks. And I don't know a show that's done that. I can't think of one. I don't know. Like I, it's 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 harder. I mean, like I'll I'll be honest. Like you know, one of the things because I, I was to your to your point, uh, the video that I was referencing earlier. Like even though I really enjoy the criticism and I feel like it it raises a lot of great questions, especially about. You know, certain characters that we haven't even talked about yet, like with Jamie's end and Cersei's end and everything like that, like, which, like, I have really mixed feelings on. Like, that, that is a place where I actually, like, have a bit of ambivalency where I'm like, I could go one way or the other on it in terms of how much I, I like it. Um, there's an aspect to it that I hate, um, which comes before the whole thing, but we'll, we can, we might get to that. Um, but it's just like this idea that for some people, they feel that this ending, you know, which we technically didn't even get to the final episode yet. Um, <laughs> We're not even there yet. They feel that this season was so bad that they can't possibly recommend Game of Thrones to anybody to ever like engage with. And I like, I can't, I can't go there. Like, no matter what issues that I have with the show, you know, and, and there are many issues like rewatching it's it. Perfect. Like, it's not perfect. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I don't like. There's a lot of things that I didn't like in these last two seasons or thought could be done differently or, or you know, could be done better. But I thought overall it was an enjoyable ride. And, you know, it, you know my mom sent me a text the other day that was just like, you know, they didn't know how to end it. And it's like, I do, to an extent, agree with that. Again, it's like, you know, we know what the ending was going to be. They didn't know how to get there. Yeah, it was like a little bit like, like in between the, the end and like, yeah. the, like the middle end. But there's, there's that piece where I'm like, I'm not going to tell anybody not to try to watch the show. You know, and I'm not going to necessarily warn people, hey, the ending may not be what you want it to be. You know, because it's a great ride to go on. It's an interesting ride with fun, you know, fun, relatively fun characters. You know, a lot happens. There's spectacle, there's drama, there's intrigue, there's all the stuff that you want. And it's like, just because maybe, you know, and I'll include myself in, in, in the group that maybe sees the ending as falling a little bit short of, you know, how we wanted the final seasons of the show to go. Um... I'm not going to tell anybody not to watch this, mm -hmm. you know, or not to, not to give it a try. I'd be very curious, like, maybe like a year from now when like everything's kind of quieted down to like talk to somebody who then like after a year decides to watch it all. Like there's, I think uh, there's a divide. There's a couple of divides between fans. There's, you know, book fans, mm -hmm. people who read the books, talk about theories. There are the people who watch the show who maybe aren't quite 
like to that degree, but like really enjoy it. And then you have people like my girlfriend who I dragged into like watching, like watch it like right up like before season eight, and where like those fans they don't they didn't really have any time to wait. They there was no like, kind of there wasn't so much buildup. Yeah. For me and you, we're always going to have that special feeling where we waited. Oh, yeah. The anticipation uh, for those years. So I think people might end up viewing season seven, season eight a little bit. I wonder. I'm curious if to them it won't feel as rushed because it is a little bit more consecutive. Yeah. But that's just like I'm. I'm just curious about that. I mean, it'd be nice to have that conversation one day if there's anybody out there who hasn't had it been spoiled for them yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd be really, really interested. <laughs> I, I don't know if they exist, but they might. Well, because, I mean, like, uh, I, I feel like they would have had to have muted everything because, like, there was a... I think it was... Well, today's only Tuesday. I'm like, the, the show... Ju- the episode just aired on Sunday night, and I think by, like, Monday afternoon, I was already seeing stuff that, like, had, like, full... Like, I'm on Twitter, so, like, there's full-on spoilers throughout the entire show. Like, expected. Like, if mm-hmm. you're on Twitter... I know some people don't like it, but, like, that's the that's world the that you're in. That's, that's the, how it works. Yeah. You know, and that's how it's always worked. Um, especially with TV. Like, it's it's people talking about it live because if they use the hashtag, they know other people who are watching it live will comment back. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how it works. Facebook, understandably different. It works in a, like, people use it in a very different way. Um, but like getting to like Monday afternoon and seeing like straight up like images from the episode, like, and not just like trailer images, but like this thing happened images. (laughs) And I'm just like, like some people might not have a chance yet. And like, great, you know, New York times or whoever it was like, you just, you literally just put this as the image for this article shared on Facebook. Like, why would you do this? Yeah. Like you can't unsee it. You can't unsee it now. And granted, like, you know, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm one of those people that oftentimes a spoiler happens, you know, I force it out of my memory (laughs) until like I've watched the thing. And, you know, plus like, I also generally don't, I generally don't really care about spoilers unless it's something that, like, you know, like, I've been waiting for forever. This is one of those ones, like, I did not... Because I've read, in years past, I've read, like, YouTube comments or just, like, people... Like, I've had a few... I've had, yeah, I've had, yeah. Well, I've, no, I've had, like, well, like, before I'd watched season three or read the book, and I had the Red Wedding spoiled for me just from a YouTube comment. Oh, really? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, like, okay. and like, so that... After that, that kind of changed the way... Like, I don't, like... I really don't re- look at comments. Like, I was trying mm. to avoid it. I know I had a friend who... I guess read the ending for Game of Thrones somewhere, and I was like, "I'm not." There was a Reddit post about it, and and I found that out um, later. So like, you know how I was doing my like little predictions mm-hmm. of what was going to happen and everything like that. And so when I was going into the last episode, someone like let me know that there was a Reddit post, and I was like, "All right, I'm just going to save this for like when the episode is over." And I looked through it, and I was like they legit had everything that happened like like it was broken down in the exact way that it played out in the episode and I was like wow Uh, but like it was also written in a way where it was like someone proposes democracy and I was like oh I'm not the only one who thought it was going to be democracy and I was like I was half right 
<laughs> like they're gonna do it. I mean, the thing is, it's like they voted. Like, I mean, and that was really what I was going for. I was like, representative democracy. Like, the representatives from all of these areas chose the next ruler. Like, I mean, it's only the elite of the elite who can vote. But yeah, yeah sure, it's like the like the one percent, one percent. But yeah, but, it's, but it's I mean, that's kind of how the electoral it's like, college it's works. It's like a little bit better. Like, it's like a, move the needle slightly. <laughs> like, broke it's the like wheel. democracy. Yes, turned the wheel. Turned um, the wheel. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, it's something that's really interesting about it. And I mean, I think that, like, kind of gets back to, like, the show as a whole. Because, I mean, for me, like, the whole thing was, like, all right, I have to be home at this time to watch the show. Mm -hmm. Like, within the last few seasons that it's been on, probably since season three, like, really, like, that was when, like, I couldn't miss an episode. Like, I had, like, all right, it's Game of Thrones time. Like, I am in my, you know, at the time it was, like, probably my futon or whatever. On my futon, in front of the TV, watching Game of Thrones. You know, gonna text, you know, you know, when my dad was still alive. Like, I was texting my dad, like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, pretty wild that that happened, right? You know, and then, like, we'd text for, like, the hour after the show was over. You know, but it's, like... There are so few shows like that that, like, really just kind of get you to, like, actually be oh, there yeah. on time to watch it. Because the thing is, if you're not, it's absolutely going to be ruined for you. Yeah, and I wonder, like, I wonder when the next time we'll have something like that. And I think, like, and just, like, yeah, I have, like, a similar experience. I remember sitting down my college friends. We all, like, huddle around, like, a you know, a relatively small TV <laughs> compared to, like, the ones, like, I probably watch on now. Yeah. We all, and like, I love like that, like, that, like, community experience that Game of Thrones gave me. And I think, like, even now, we still have like the ripple effect. We're talking about it now, even after it's over. And I think that's, and that's also part of the reason why I love this season. I love, I've loved Game of Thrones as a whole, is like what it did for us socially. And Mm -hmm. like, I think too often times where we're like, we'll watch our little Netflix shows, like, as it comes, as like, as we want to receive it. And then that's it. I mean, you just kind of forget about it. And where, like, I really enjoy this because it, it is something that's social. And, like, TV is rarely social. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a... Spoiler at this level. At this level. Spoiler alert. That's a big, like, thing that, that other Zach and I talk about in next <laughs> week's ep- in, in the, the next episode of the podcast. Because it's like, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, it, nothing makes me more frustrated than like watching something on Netflix and no one has seen it yet and not being able to talk to anybody about it. It's yeah. like, like, you know, and you know, sometimes that's my fault for binging a show in an <laughs> evening when I should be sleeping. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that's how it's released, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, for me, I'm like, let me consume it when it's ready to be consumed. But like, at least with game of Thrones, it's like other people are consuming it at the same time. I was terrified that it was going to leak. And I was really... like, I just, Because, like, three other episodes this season leaked. Or almost all of them leaked early this year. All of them leaked? I didn't hear it. Cause they were yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mostly in Germany, but then you could, you could get them. You could get them. You could get that them. That was... The, yeah. But the fact that, like, it wasn't widespread, that I didn't know... Like, usually, I feel like in years past or something... It might have been with Game of Thrones that people would just like watch early and like kind of like ruin that moment and we're like I know something you don't know like like it's not so, so that was the challenge for me this season so being a cable cutter like I'm watching it on HBO Go and mm-hmm. so I found out that at 857 
p.m. is when the episode goes live on HBO Go. Mm-hmm. And, like, it'll just be, like, Game of Thrones episode number before they even have the title input for mm-hmm. the episode. So, like, half the time I had no idea. Like, I didn't find out the Iron Throne was called the Iron Throne until after the episode was over and it refreshed. Because mm. um, it was just, like, Game of Thrones 73 or whatever. <laughs> whatever I think I saw that on my... Um, yeah. yeah. And so it's, like, you know, I'm watching it three minutes ahead, but I'm also on Twitter and I'm, like, oh, crap, like... I'm watching these episodes. I'm seeing everything three minutes before everybody else has a chance to react to it. Or in some cases, because not everybody starts at the same time, some people would be like five or ten minutes behind where I had just seen something. And so it's like... If you're doing that, you need to just like understand where you are and not look at social media. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and there's, there's, there's that aspect of it too. But like, it was just like, it was kind of one of those really interesting things where it's like... You know, in a sense, it was like almost like having a little bit of preview, almost like a little bit of green sight where you're just like, Mm. oh, like, ooh, like, I wonder how people are going to react to that. And that also kind of like added that extra layer to of of enjoyment to the show. It's just like, what are people going to think when this happened? Because like, you know, I I messaged you right before you came over here, just like like when when John stabbed Danny and I was just like, Azora, hi. And it's just (laughs) like, you know. A few people retweeted that, but it was, like, one of those things where it's, like, I was super excited about it, and then, like, watching the reaction, like, five minutes later, everybody's like, wait, what What just happened? Who stabbed who? Like, people were, like, freaking out on the internet, and I was just like, I love this, like, just being able to, like, kind of have that little, like, extra piece of knowledge just a little bit before everybody else so that I can enjoy the way that people are reacting, too. That's so interesting, because that's not how I, like, I'm very, like, zoned in. Like it's all quiet. Like and like I'm I'm in my space, and then I go on social media after, and then I see like the reactions. But that's just how I watch yeah. the show. But it's really like that's really interesting. Like, well, I mean, you have that dynamic. I mean, look at my setup. Yeah. Like, you understand? Like, this I know. Just, I get it. It's just I my life. It. I get it, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough because you know I. And we're we're gonna just backtrack a little bit. We'll go. We'll we go went on a tangent. It was a good tangent. We'll go to the end of the bells real quick. So you know, obviously, there's a fight between Euron and Jamie. Like Euron, like Euron and Jamie. Like I almost wish they didn't do Euron in the show. If all we got from him is what we got, like there's. Again, it's like one of those things where it's like it could have been done really well and he could have been really interesting. But the problem is he just became a mustache twirling villain. I thought he was I thought his introduction was great. I thought he was pretty funny. I thought he's kind of he's like a comedic villain. Uh, And I, I agree. Like, I get it. It's not the best thing. But I feel like in the structure of, like, the the show, you do need to kind of, like, break up scenes. And, like, yeah, realistically, Jamie's not a very good fighter anymore. And, like, he probably wouldn't survive. And, like, he probably wouldn't have survived in the end. But, like, it, like Euron did feel, like, the fight did feel a little lazy at the end. I mean, it was just, excuse me, when we talk about, like, just transporting people where they need to be. It's like, yeah. Euron was on a ship that was destroyed by gra- <laughs> dragon like, fire. Like but how far of a swim was that? Was that miles? Like, yeah. I'm like okay. Like, I, as I'm I'm fine with that, like, being, like, yeah. Like I said, there's, I'm not saying the, the season six was perfect. I'm not saying that, like, for me, the warts 
of the show of each episode aren't enough for me not to like really appreciate yeah. like what like the, like yeah. the feeling the feeling it gave me watching. Yeah, I mean, I guess again, like this is this is like one of those things like with the whole Masande thing where it's just like you know again it's why why were certain characters given certain arcs if they didn't have a chance to like fully see them through like Yara Greyjoy. So it's like we mm-hmm. save Yara early in the season. We do not see Yara again until the very nope, like you know, almost the end of the entire show. And so it's like there's that part of me that's like, you know, all right, you know, part of this was her uncle coming back, taking control of her homeland, and we know she's going to go and fight and get it back, but there's no other interaction between her and this character who once defeated her and captured her and like, you know, and so like there's there are those pieces of it where, you know, it might feel like nitpicks, but it's also like one of those things where it's just like you know, from individual character stories, because, you know, again, that, that kind of idea that, like, Game of Thrones has always been this story with all of these different characters and, mm-hmm. like, wanting to get, like, the f- every, like, wringing everything we could out of their experiences mm-hmm. until they're not needed anymore. Yeah. Like, it just, it felt like kind of a waste of time because it's like, we, like, we don't need to, Theon can save her off screen then. You know what I, I mean? I think that's more about Theon's arc. Than I mean, it is. It is. Yeah. it is. But it's like, you know, just show me something. Show me, like, one scene of, like, here's, here's like, a second cut of, you know, Yara's leading her men to take back the Iron Isles. Like, that's all I need to see. Mm. Just a little bit more. You know, because otherwise it's just like, why, why was she here? You know, why do we why do we care about her? Why was this necessary kind of thing? And, and that's like, again, like ultimately like part of that, am, like that ambivalent feeling that I have with this season is like, there are aspects I like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I thought was handled well or enjoyed watching, mm-hmm. but then there's those pieces for me where it's like, yeah, if we had like an extra season or two, like this would have been fleshed out. It would have ended perfectly. This character, you know, could have had, their moment been done, you know, the Night King being defeated could have been the end of one season, the war with Cersei and everything leading to the end could have been another season, like, there's a lot of stuff like that where I'm just like, could we have, could we have kind of had those characters, like, actually work their pathing out in a way that kind of, because, like, even again, like, just receding back to the very beginning of um, you know, uh, the episode where, you know, Ragel gets shot down. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, we're saying bye to Sam and Gilly. Guess we'll see them at the end. We're saying bye to Tormund and go like, they're just gone. Yeah. Like the story doesn't need that many more. No, no. Like, no. and I mean, like technically speaking, like, yeah, there's a nice moment with Tormund and Ghost at the end, but like, d- did we even really need to see them there? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I think, I think we need to kind of remember also like the Game of Thrones and uh, from the book perspective, it's told from like a tier of characters. Yeah. Not every character, not every character gets has their first person yeah. point of view kind of, and you can kind of see it in the way that Game of Thrones is shot, where they kind of shoot, mm-hmm. they really focus on one singular character, and like mm-hmm. that's supposed to be like their point of view. Like you're seeing it yeah. from like, like when John tells Danny. 
like they uh, about like who he really is. The shots focused on her. Yeah. And it's funny because it's all about her reaction and her, because that's Mm -hmm. the more interesting point of view is how she reacts to it. It's all about that. So I think I don't have a problem with like not seeing any more Yara because I, to me, she always felt like a a side character to Theon's story. Well, and and that's, that's kind of my point. Like Mm -hmm. it's the, because again it gets back to like what's included from the books what's not yeah. and it's like what is ultimately necessary for the story that we're telling you know and it, it, I kind of find myself asking like did we even need her you know if if this was like if it was going to be set up in this way where it's like this is a character who has allied herself with Danny and she's an essential part of her military strategy now but now she's just completely off the table, mm-hmm. you know, or does recapturing the Iron Isle like play into the strategy? It's just stuff like that. And again, mm-hmm. like I know it's like kind of that like pulling at threads kind of thing. But it's like when I watch something like Game of Thrones, those are the things that I'm paying attention to because that's what this world has led me to pay attention mm-hmm. to because it is oftentimes the smaller things that we kind of ignore or push to the back of our minds that do end up being kind of important. And that kind of gets me to like one of my other, one of the issues that I, that I also kind of had with this season and it's specifically with Bran, um, you know, cause Jamie and Cersei dying together. I, again, like, sure. I get it. People wanted, people wanted retribution. <laughs> They wanted Cersei to die by someone's hand. They wanted Jamie to kill her. I thought Jamie might kill her too. Like, you know, thought it would be cool to have Queen Slayer, you know. But based on the way the episode was going, like, he didn't need to kill her. She yeah. was not the enemy. Um, like, I mean, that was pretty clear in that episode. So, fine. Like, no problem. Like, rubble falling on people, not the most interesting way to go but like I get it there's like some symbolism there's that some, you can kind yeah, of tie into it yeah, I, like like, the- I get it I, I I definitely like I understand and you know it makes for a great shot in the next episode you know probably my favorite shot in that entire episode I know people love dragon wing shot but I love Tyrion in the pile of rubble like that overhead shot of him finding that I love that I think it's great. Let's just like, can we give a little credit to Peter Dinklage and everything that he's done for Game of Thrones? God, his performance, like, and and like considering like he he definitely between him and Varys, like those were the characters that got the shaft the most when the book material ran out because <laughs> it's like yeah. clear like we don't know how to write these characters. Those but- are yeah, those are. <laughs> Clearly, George R. R. Martin, like, at his wittiest, that yeah. he has, like, when he has, like, years to come up with, like, his dialogue. And, yeah, like, for me, when he said goodbye to Jamie for the last time, like, that, that pulled the heartstrings. Yeah. Like, that was, like, there's so many, like, moments, like, for me to have moments with a show like that where I, like, I'm feeling emotional, mm-hmm. I don't get that very often watching TV for whatever reason. I'm usually very good about, like, separating or good, like, I separate myself kind of from the medium I'm watching. But when I was watching that and like when I watch him in particular, I am very engrossed mm-hmm. with what he's saying and like it's in those the moment. eyes, man. It's those eyes. He's got some eyes. Yeah, he yeah. He just 
And then, like, yeah, I'm right there with you when he finds Jamie and Cersei. Like, those are, like, that's such, like, a powerful moment in the build-up. Like, you're asking why I love those, like, why I love the season. It's for moments like that. Yeah. And, like, for me, it's not, I, when I look at the show, it's about the little moments that kind of yeah. add up to the big thing that I've really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, and, like, yeah, Jamie and Cersei, Cersei, yeah, if you really found them, they'd be crushed to death and it wouldn't, they wouldn't be so elegantly. They wouldn't be at the top of the pile, I, as someone wanted to point out to me on Twitter, and I was like, I, you're not wrong, but it, I still like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't, like, it shouldn't take you out of the moment. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't be, like, if you're, like, in the moment watching this and, like, you're like, oh, like they, like they should be. Like you're not even listening to what anyone's saying now, or like what Peter Dinklage is doing, and you're just focused on like, well, they're like they should be bleeding more. Like their heads would be caved in. Like all true, mm-hmm. but like people just like I think people just need to relax a little yeah. bit. Just like relax. Like it's not. It's a TV show, and we expect this like perfect thing, and like it's not. It's not perfect. And it never was going to be. It was never going to be perfect. It was never going to be perfect because if we do what you say, we would extend the episodes. Sure, there's plenty more content. You could fit two more seasons in, two full seasons, for sure. But I think a complaint you you would end up getting from, like, other people is... It ran on too long. It ran on too long. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's filler. I'm like, do you... I was telling someone, I think, episode four, they're like, oh, they're just skipping ahead like that. I'm like, do you just want to watch John March for an episode so so here yes you do yes and so you know because again again it's like that throwback to old school game of thrones like those first few seasons where like legit like you have seasons where it's just people traveling and it's like you know there are times when you miss that but it's like if you have like kind of your your travel episode because it's like you could have done like a lot of you know split split that episode into two do two 60 minute episodes rather than having one you know 180 minute episodes or whatever it was and that gives you a little extra time with the hound and aria back on the road that gives you you know a little bit more time with um uh bran and uh sansa um you know within the walls of uh winterfell uh, it gives you time with, you know, John and, and Davos or whoever he needs to be with. You know, it, it just gives you a little bit more time for those, again, those smaller character interactions that happen between those big scenes. And I think, because I think that's the part that threw people off about, like, some aspects of that episode where it was just like, all right, we had big thing. It got quiet for a little bit. We're back to big thing. And it's like, it, it kind of missed, it's, it's, it's a lot more peaks than the valleys that we're used to within Game of Thrones. And it's like, again, neither way is necessarily right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, it's also a way that you might have been able to, in a sense, kind of lessen some of those, you know, some of those specific complaints. Because that's, from what, what I've heard from a lot of people, it was just like, it's just spectacle, 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 after those first two episodes. And it's like, I get that. I get that critique of it. Um, you know, and, and I, I agree to some, you know, some small extent because I am a much bigger fan of slower game of Thrones that builds to big moment as opposed to, you know, all right, slow build, big moment, little dip, big moment. All right. 
bigger moment, like, because that's basically what happened this season. And then it went from, you know, what should have been like a super big moment to, you know, nothing, essentially, <laughs> you know, really quickly, which is fine. But like, I think you're right in the sense where it does, it does feel like a 13 episode season as opposed to two shorter yeah. seasons it, like they take the crescendo out of like yeah. the they kind of manufacture crescendo and they kind of put it yeah. like in like the top of the very beginning of the the final season I hear you about the kind of in between moments but I would, my argument to that is like what I immediately think is like Ned Stark and Robert Baratheon like like marching back down to the King's Landing, and we enjoy that moment like in season one, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. But that scene is like very intentional in the sense, like because we can go back and look at that in the sense where, all right, like Robert's talking about like bashing Rhaegar's like chest in, mm-hmm. and like talking about like how much he loved his sister and how he wants to kill all the Targaryens, and there's a war yeah. coming, and it's all it's all precursor to what we end up seeing. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. so, uh, I agree to disagree where I, I understand where you're coming from, but to me, like, if you're not going to show me something that's important, like the characters to me are already developed. We like, we all know everyone's character. Like, like yeah. we know everybody. But so, and, and again, like, I think that's, that's the point. It's mm-hmm. not that it's not necessarily that the characters need more development. Mm-hmm. It's that they need the piece that's missing from their ending. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of universally what my understanding of a lot of the complaints about this final season are. And it's like, it's something that I feel for certain characters more than others, mm. you know, where it's like, all right, is it's it's the kind of like decision or it's the the idea of does this ending for this character is it is it does it make sense fine it might make sense is it earned and it's like that that kind of there's it's an ever so slight difference and i think that's what some people are feeling like aria's ending in this series doesn't feel earned I it doesn't. I, I get what you're saying. I get you what know, you're saying. And like, John's it, ending feels earned to me because it's like I, I think John's ending is like perfect for him. I know people wanted something different to go down there. I love his ending. I mean, I don't know how else you. I had one friend because just because everyone, like I said, everyone's different. I've heard different things for everybody. I had one friend like I was like, how could they not make John King? John uh, has and never like, wanted to be king. He, there's so many reasons why he can't be king. First off, he killed the queen. Like, if, yeah. like, let, like, we're, you don't even need to suspend reality. This is just like kind of like human construct. You can't kill somebody, mm-hmm. and then like, like, are we make you like that's not gonna work. Then slowly they're gonna, gonna let, they're not gonna let it happen. There will. Like another thing I heard was like, well, why don't they just like send John a letter when like they slowly leave? Like, why don't you come back down now? Like, cause like that's. Like they're not gonna because if as soon as you do that you like you lose uh, your face with yeah. everybody you lose trust yeah. especially for a new king Bran be like oh forget about that first order I was just kidding I was just lying the whole time you can't do that yeah. I mean so like that's my problem with the people who have a problem 
is that everyone seems to have a, uh, an opinion about it, and no, there's no consensus. So from the vast majority of complaints, there's no consensus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had no problem with John's ending. I said it like before the finale. I was like, John just belongs in the north. He belongs in the north. He's I, got the real north in him. I feel. I probably feel worse for. I just like. I didn't feel good for him because you just know he's just going to carry this around the rest of his life. He's just like he's just going to like kind of meander in the north, and he's yeah. just like he's probably not going to do much of anything, and like he like. He's a character who knows, like, the crescendo of his life. He went... He's, like, a professional athlete. Like, you're named king. You're in top world. You're going to have a photo taken. And then your career's done. You blew out your ACL. And you're, uh... You have to pick up a job. Like, like yeah. earning minimum wage. That's, so that's what it feels like for John. And it's sad I, looking at you him. You know what's interesting, though? It's, like, I read that completely differently. Because it's, like... I'm, like, he's free now. He's free. Like, he is literally free. And, like, because the thing is, it's like, he never he never cared about titles. He never cared about leading or ruling. He just was good at it, you know, and lucked his way into it. You know, he wanted to kind of have that adventure and experience of being out there. And that was what was thrilling to him. And now he just gets to live that forever. He's the with most... With two of his best friends. He's the most Frodo character. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, like, literally, he suffered wounds that technically killed him earlier in the story. Yeah. And he's, he is literally, he, a, he is literally doing the same thing. He that has Proto a sidekick did. named Sam. <laughs> like, like, who gets to, who gets to live a happily, happily ever after. He does. You know. We all knew Sam was headed for the happily ever yeah. after. Well, it, it was, yeah, it's good old Sam. Sam is, I, I really enjoy Sam. I, I, Sam is one of my. I have, like, a few characters that I really love in the show, and they were always, like, Jorah, Sam, and Davos. Don't ask me why, but, like, I for whatever Davos. reason... Oh, Davos is great. Jorah is just, like... And I never loved Jorah, but, like, he's, like, an interesting character. He's, like... He had an interesting arc. Yeah. It wasn't as compelling as the other characters, because you always knew what his motivation was. Yeah. Like, it was, like, obvious. So well, I mean, like, I think that was something that was, like, really cool though it's like the mm. unrequited love character who's like fighting through all of that and you know like literally will not allow himself to die until like literally like the last possible you know time he could have going out yeah going out swinging yeah like i mean i don't know like, I, I just really love his character um but yeah i mean like i i don't know like i just i felt like you know, in a, in a sense, like, John gets to live it out on his own terms. And, like, you know, um, you know, our, our friend Ryan um, down the street, mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, you know, in, in one of the things that he wrote for Bro Bible, it's like he, he referred to John as kind of going AWOL because he's not staying at the wall. He's going up with the free folk. And, you know, there's that part of me that's, like, also, like, you know, while I see him as, like, finally having that freedom he wants, it's like, does he become the new man's raider? Because there's like there's that part of me that's like oh, yeah. he like he respected Mance greatly and like does he assume that role for the free folk now? Probably even greater because yeah. like the the free folk are the only people who like I mean the North I think still loves him and still likes yeah. him, but 
they love him. They I mean, like love he died. He's Jesus. Like, he, he died. He literally died for the free folk. He yeah. stuck up for them when no one else would. He fought the army of the dead to save their lives. Like you know, and so he like, can do no wrong. He like he, no you wrong can kill whoever you want, and yeah. like it doesn't matter to them. And so, like, I mean, I think there's there's that aspect of it where everybody else would have expectation for him mm. and for them they just have you know just this love for him yeah they're all like smiling yeah. at him they're all just like happy that he's there yeah and so like there's there's an aspect of that that i just like really kind of love because it's like even though there's that so- sorrow of like all right i have to say goodbye to you know my family family um because i mean again like speaking to lines spoken earlier where it's like uh, sam is more you're more of a brother to him than i am at this point like yeah like these other people that are around john are more his family than his sisters or his brother at this point true like they're in such different places and so like there was something for me like i know people you know again people aren't satisfied because it's like they want they want Aragorn to be king, even though the Strider should not yeah. have become the king. You know, mm-hmm. this is that same kind of idea. And it's like, this is where that trope kind of gets subverted, where it's like, no, he doesn't get to do that. And, that's, and He that's, committed a crime. Yeah. Why, why do we, like, yeah, part of us wants John and Danny to... Like, it is kind of hilarious how we're like, just forget about the fact that she's your aunt. Just, like, marry her, yeah. and you guys will be a great couple, and we're going to root for you, because we've been rooting for you the whole time. But we're not going to get that. Yeah. Like, we're not going to steal that moment away from us. Yeah, it's... There's so much of this show that, like, I think we all kind of love and appreciate. I think even the fans that are, like, kind of have our outrage in the moment, I wonder if they, like, when the dust settles they'll feel better about it at all i think they will like honestly because i think one of the things that i hope happens and i don't know if it will just because of how people's rage works these days (laughs) i really do hope that people go back through and watch the whole thing you know and then once all the books are out because it's like it's one of those things where i'm almost like i think everybody should read the books but i'm also like i would almost like kind of say wait until they're all out at this point you know if you can because it's like because if you're a slow reader maybe you start now (laughs) but i mean like because you're gonna run into that same issue where you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for that last book you know i mean again we've been waiting for the next book and there's still another book after it that's why i keep on forgetting really is two more books yeah so it's like Like, that's right there isn't just one there's two yeah yeah, and, you know, one, that was the other thing we didn't talk about. I feel like a missed opportunity. Like, I fully expected the final episode to be named A Dream of Spring, and I was super disappointed when I found out it was called The Iron Sorry Throne. Throne. Because it's like, especially when you show, like, the sprig of grass coming out of the snow, it's I'm, like, it's right there. I miss it the first time I watched it. The second time I watched the episode, I I, I noticed it. I'm like, yeah. how did I miss this? <laughs> Start the shot there. Again, especially, like, when you're gonna throw in stuff like Sam saying, like, oh, this is the new book, A Song of Fire and Ice. I helped come up with the title. Wink. Wink. Like, I know that pissed people off. I mean, like, it's a callback to oh, The Hobbit. Yeah, and, I like, knew it was coming. Like, yeah, but yeah. 
I think we talked about it. We talked about it. But the thing is, when we talked about it, because I think we we kind of got really excited about the whole idea of doing like a flash forward and like George RR playing an old version of Sam who's Mm. working on it. Like, I would have loved that. You know, I think it's a little bit different in this scenario where it's just like, like I, my initial reaction, because like, even though I like it, I was also kind of like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> like is uh, like I said like I was okay with it at that point like my emotions were like resolving and it's yeah. like that it's just like alright like what are they gonna do I know a lot of people were like well, what, what about Braun I'm like Braun's like not that oh, important bro. of like a character like in the like, like in Speak, the- speaking of somebody who really didn't need to even be in this season no I mean he really like in the books he has like a much smaller role and I think the creators just really enjoyed his acting I think fans enjoyed yeah, the character that's a they, big part of it they enjoyed it and it's a little bit catering so like Dorn like Braun doesn't Braun and Jamie don't go to Dorn no. like that's all manufactured but like like if Jamie went alone it's boring but Braun's like a fun character yeah. and like you Game of Thrones has always had that comedic aspect and like a lot of people and it's also a complaint I heard is like it was too funny or they're trying to be too funny at the end I'm like but they've always had I like, actually again I love the humor of the right? end like because again that's the that is the stuff that I got it's the drama mixed with the humor and like those kind of serious moments and so it's like if we can get all of those in one episode, like, yeah, we're back at where the show kind of began, you know, mm-hmm. in that sense, at least in, in that kind of framing of it. I, but again, like it's, it's, it's that, the question that I raised earlier of like, why is he here though? Like in terms of like, why is he needed in this season? And it's like, it doesn't break anything of it. Like, I thought it was funny. I liked his chemistry with Davos. I thought there was good back and forth there. You know, I thought he had some great lines towards the end. And, like, I think it's it's a funny, good choice to have him there. But it made me question, you know, him being given the crossbow, him threatening Tyrion and Jamie, and then him showing up in the end. It's like, I almost felt like it, like, those first two pieces almost weren't necessary. And then it's funnier if he's not really here for most of the season. And, and then he shows like, up. Oh, our master of coin is here. And then it's like, oh, like, oh, I wondered what happened to Braun. And it's like, then it's rather than, all right, he's trying to get his rocks off. Kyburn comes in. Cersei has a job for you. We have one scene that really doesn't lead anywhere. Like, honestly, between him, Jamie, and... and Tyrion, which it could have been an amazing scene because, you know, how often are the three of them together? Mm-hmm. And it just, like, it fell really flat because, you know, it didn't feel like there were any stakes to it. That was, so that's, a scene like that is why I didn't feel the need to, to see more, more episodes. Yeah. Because that's what I expected. That would be the filler. It'd be stuff like that that are yeah. just kind of like meaningless and doesn't really have consequence. Yeah. And then I get annoyed. I'm like, well, that just gets to the point now. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I mean, again, like that's the, that's the challenge of wanting the 10 seasons, 10 episodes, because it also hopes for more involvement from George. Yeah. Because that's like, that's the other bit of it that like, you know, I should kind of communicate when I say that. It's like, you know, if it's just, if it's just, you know, D&D, I don't know if I want that. If it's D&D with like real support from, from George, 
I'm more on board with that. Yeah. Because I know certain things are going to be handled in a way that makes more sense. So it's like, I, I, I should qualify that when I say that. I am curious, like, how much, like, does he step back and let them do their thing a little bit towards the end? Or, because I know in the beginning, like, I'd say the very, the first three seasons are very close to the books. Like, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. And then after that, you kind of, they, they step away a bit. So to to that point, that was one of the interviews that I was watching. He talked a lot about that because some someone basically asked him like, "Oh, you're an executive producer on the show. Like, how much control does that mean you have over it?" And like, essentially, what he said is, "It's like it's their show. Yeah, they can choose to do with it what they want. I gave them my input, my pieces. They go from there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I get that, and that's how he's." approach the show and so you know when we say like they're two different things it's the book and it's the show like they yeah. really are um you know because this is this is dnd's thing this isn't necessarily george's thing because you know again characters are different scenes are different like you know there's this entire thing of him online talking about little finger mm-hmm. and how little finger in the book is technically a different character than what we get in the show you know, because show Littlefinger is super slimy and slithery and no one trusts him, where book Littlefinger is a little bit more friendly, everybody kind of trusts him, everybody's in bed with him, even though no one can trust him. Yeah. You know, and so it, like it, it's, it's just like that characterization is somewhat different, even though it's very similar. It changes. It definitely yeah. changes. I feel like in the beginning... Like, I don't remember, I don't know when exactly the transition, like, it starts to transition to more, like, a more slimy character. Yeah, um, yeah probably, I'd say probably, like, when, like, a big deviation applies. Like, Sansa never goes to Winterfell. Winterfell. Which, like, to me, at the time, felt like a weird... I understood why the d did it. They decided, like, all right, you gotta consolidate characters and timelines... I get it. I wasn't thrilled at the time, and like that's one thing I think like the book does differently. I think that it takes it just like doesn't it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I'm like why like why does Littlefinger this think this is a good idea? Like why wouldn't like Sansa would probably kill herself if like real like the real character yeah. like she's like oh you're gonna make me marry uh, the person who's responsible for killing my brother? Like um, no, absolutely uh, not. Yeah, so like, that was like little complaints. I mean overall. You know, still enjoy everything. But. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't even talk about Bran. We didn't even talk about Bran. <laughs> There's... All right, all right. So, like, I'm going to... How do you feel about the whole Bran thing? Because we're, we're coming up on the end here. We've been talking for a while, we longer have. than expected, but... Um... <laughs> I mean, I expected this. <laughs> I mean, I kind of did too, but I was like... I gotta have a shorter episode in here somewhere. Like, no, we're we're. This is not that episode. Not that episode. Uh, how did you feel about Bran? And like, more so than just like the ending and what happened with him, but like just the handling of him in specifically, kind of. I think over this last season, he's a little bit. Of a forgotten character, I think the last season I would say, or guess I'm, yeah, kind of like the last season. Yeah. Like there's a span of episodes where he was just mostly ignored, and he was just you know, there so were memes bad. of him just like 
like randomly just in the middle of Winterfell, just chilling, just like surprising people. My my favorite part with it, because um, just to interrupt you for a no, second, no. and this is this is again like things that I love about the show. So like you know, on Twitter there were all the jokes about like oh like how wheelchair friendly is Winterfell and all that. Like, <laughs> it's how not. is how is Bran getting everywhere? And I'm like you know I, at first I was like oh like, this is really funny. The second time I watched that episode, I was like, no, he is sitting in the same exact spot for the entire episode. He is literally in the same spot waiting for Jamie to show up. And, like, it's kind of amazing. It is. It is. I think... I, like, I, like, I was like, I'm like, yeah, like, why, why does it need to be some grandiose character? I know... I know it's like people were kind of like, oh, like choose a woman, choose Sansa. And like for a little bit, I thought they were going to choose Sansa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remembered that ESPN, or not ESPN, um, DraftKings, or Vegas had the odds of Bran being like a really, it was like the odds were really high on him. And at the time, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then it, like as the scene was leading up, I'm like, oh, they're going to choose they're gonna him. It, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's. Yeah, he's a bit of a forgotten, like forgotten character, but I think the when we look back at the show's beginning and how it starts with him, it feels fitting that it ends with him. Yeah, and he does, and he's if you like really think about it, the best candidate for king. If you really think about oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the rationale is there. I mean, like because the the whole issue, like if we look at like what made these bad rulers bad it was because they wanted more and more power they wanted things Mm -hmm. and a character who technically doesn't want anything can make for a much better ruler because they technically would be objective Mm -hmm. about ruling you know this is what people need we're going to get them what they need versus this is what I want so I'm going to make what I want happen. And so it's like, I get it. I get it. The issue that I kind of ran into with Bran, especially like the this season in particular, is like the fact that they don't do anything, or even in, in season seven to like a certain extent too, it's like they don't really do anything weird or fun with his abilities. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, sure, like, you know, oh, I'm going to read a quote back to you, Littlefinger, or, you know, I'm going to recite something that you said to me, you know, you know, first episode, Jamie, like, I'm going to do these things, but it's like, we don't get the, you know, flashback into an alternate world where, you know, because I mean, again, like, that's the thing with like, setting up like the whole Danny thing. It's like, hey, take us back again to, you know, the Mad King, Mm -hmm. you know, show us that like there there's opportunities to do weird magic stuff with that character since earlier we got weird magic stuff with that character why can't we get like a little bit more of it especially right here towards the end um you know and and again like i mean like when you say he's a forgotten character it's like season five he's not in (laughs) at all yeah you know so it's like there's there were some kind of weird decisions that were made for brand that that kind of left me wanting a little bit more from what they did with him you know again it's not for me it's not like one of those game breaking things but it's just like i can get people being a little like underwhelmed by it because 
he's kind of been underserved within the context of the story. Mm-hmm. I would like to see... I would like to have seen him and Tyrion, like, their conversations extended a little bit. I think that would have been yeah. an opportunity to, like, to see. But, you know, we get, we get what we get. And yeah. like, they hinted at it, and I guess, like, I did probably rewatch. I eventually plan on rewatching all of it in succession yeah. at some point. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a break. But, yeah, definitely kind of highlighting that. I don't hate the fact that they didn't do... Um, flashbacks that was for me like not really what the series was about they really didn't have to rely on it as much as like we might have wanted or thought or hoped I don't know it's like, I'm, I'm a little torn on that yeah well so I mean like the, the reason why I say that is like I think there are certain aspects to it that could have been used in it and, and again this is like the almost like redesigning Mm-hmm. the show sort of thing where it's like there are certain aspects of it that could have been used in a way that was meaningful to the story that we were being told that helped fill in those perceived gaps by mm-hmm. the audience and like that's that's really where like I kind of see that being beneficial um, you know because and again it's like it's also giving him something a little extra to do um, you know, and making him feel like he is serving the narrative, you know, because like essentially, you know, again, like, I mean, there's essentially full episodes where he's just sitting there staring at people, says one line and then like is gone, you know? And so it's like, if you give him that little bit extra where it's like, you know, we get like a, a, a brief you know, it doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be long, but it's like we get a brief insight into, you know, the things that led the Mad King on his, you know, kind of, to his madness, like, ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. You know, and we show that in contrast to Danny, it makes that a little bit easier to buy. And mm-hmm. I know some people would be like, well, then it's just, it's genetic determinants or whatever, and I'm just, you know, but... It's just an example of a way that it can be used. It's not, again, it's not saying that it would make the season be everything that people wanted. It's just, it gives Bran a little bit more than nothing. Do you feel that Bran was like, not plotting, but maybe like, kind of, I know he kind of projects as like, I don't want anything, I don't need anything. Do you think at all that he like saw this coming he saw like he definitely saw like this coming but do you feel like he kind of put any wheels in motion for him to uh, be put into that position i don't think he did anything to make it happen um you know it's one of those things where you know again like when we go back and rewatch the entire series and we watch the that you know those minor you know but wholly interesting interactions between Tyrion and Bran at the very beginning of the show, we're going to have that realization like, oh, that like one thing that so-and-so said to Mm -hmm, mm so-and-so resonated. Because I mean, like, you know, there's, again, like first couple of episodes, it's just Bran staring at Tyrion and they don't really interact, but he's staring at Tyrion the entire time, you know, as if he knows that, because again, like, I mean, like, Let's talk about who won the Game of Thrones real quick. Like, Tyrion won the Game of Thrones. Like, Bran may be king, but he's a figurehead. Tyrion is the one who holds all the power. The hand holds all the power. We learned this from Tywin Lannister. Mm -hmm. You know, and so Tyrion has won the Game of Thrones. And that's 
you know, that's the thing. Bran knows that Tyrion is a good man, you know, despite everything that he tried to do mm-hmm. to dissuade people from believing that he was good. Bran knows this. Yeah. And that he's just waiting for it. He's waiting for Tyrion to assume the role that he was born to have, you know, from having worked in the sewers and knowing, you know, what the people need to be healthy. Bran's seen it all. You know, he knows everything that he needs to know about Tyrion. He knows about his pain. He knows about, like, the good that he wants to see done for the world. He knows how he tried to reason with Danny before. He tried to do what was best and placate everybody to make sure that things worked out. And that's that's a lot of it. Like, I, I don't think it has anything to do with Bran being king. Mm. You know... Bran being king was just the vehicle that was needed for Tyrion to be in charge. And that's, I think that's a big part of it. Hmm. You know, because like, again, like just re-watching those scenes, it's like Bran is looking at Tyrion like, well, your your punishment is to fix all those things that you messed up. That's kind of a king's job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I like that perspective. I haven't really, like, I didn't. It's funny you say that. I hadn't really thought about who won the Game of Thrones. I kind of felt like everybody lost a little bit. Mm. I don't think there really is a winner. Yeah. But I like that. I like that kind of like looking at it in the, like the vein that like Tyrion was like the one who kind of came out on top. And at the end, like he didn't, he didn't really want it either mm. after like all the struggle he had went through. But yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to end our conversation on Game of Thrones. (laughs) Two hours, 35 minutes. That's pretty good. So, Zach, before you go, tell people where they can find you. Uh, You can find me uh, at ZManning91 on Instagram. I believe that's my Instagram handle. Should have double-checked that. Uh, Or ZacharyManning.com. You can contact me through there either if, uh, if you guys ever need a graphic designer or art director for any of your needs. All right. Thanks for joining me, Zach. Thanks, Larry. And uh, I'll be right back, fam. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Zach Manning about Game of Thrones uh, and what this show has kind of meant to both of us and a lot of our feelings on the series as a whole, as well as that final season. Uh, On the next episode of the podcast, as I've alluded to throughout this episode, uh, I am going to be talking about kind of that peak uh, TV era that we are living in uh, with another Zach. Um, And we're really going to kind of pick up where some of the threads of this episode uh, left us, you know, really talking about, you know, kind of the idea of can there be another Game of Thrones in the current TV landscape that we have? as well as what does uh, the way that media is produced and consumed now mean for the way that we interact with one another when it comes to uh, enjoying television properties. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. uh, And, you know, as always, definitely leave a, a review 
let people know what you think of the show. It helps other people find it. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on social media at Larry Tron, pretty much wherever you are on social media. Uh, or feel free to send me an email, Larry at LM2photo.com. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode and you have an idea for a topic that we can talk about, definitely hit me up. I'm always looking for new people to talk to. Um, we're also going to be trying a few different things in the coming weeks. So uh, as you know, we're gearing up for the summer movie season. Technically, it started already. Uh, and so I'm going to be starting to get back into a little series that I had originally started on Instagram TV called Monday at the Movies. Uh, we're going to be shifting it a bit and it's going to be all audio. Uh, but that's something that you might start to see pop up in your feed in the future. And those episodes are going to be much more kind of centered around uh, reviewing a few movies that are kind of out right now, whether they're in theaters or on Netflix. Uh, and I may also include some television series that, um, you know, are, are kind of out in streaming form that you can kind of watch the entire thing of in one shot. So as always, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stay Watching. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Uh, and again, next episode is going to be all about the peak TV era. Uh, as always, stay watching, fam. Peace.